Hey there everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today, I figured since we met Mikey and his mother Molly, and of course James in the first Lucas Talking movie, I'm like, you know what, let's revisit the Ubriaco family, because just in one year, a lot has changed with this family. And I say family because... Molly and James are now married, and Mikey is two years old. And, of course, in this movie, they're adding to the family by one more member. Look Who's Talking too came out in 1990. In this episode, a new baby, this time a new baby's on the way, and it's a girl. Wrapped together with the standard conflict between mother and father, Mikey engages in a bit of sibling rivalry with his new sister. Oh, there's a couple other summaries here. Excited with the arrival of their baby girl, Julie, the happy couple of James, the cab driver, and Molly, the accountant, will have to prepare young Mikey for the role of the big brother. Against the backdrop of rigorous potty training, heated arguments, and first and foremost, healthy sibling rivalry, both adults and children alike will learn that family is above all. Will Julie follow in Mikey's footsteps? All right. Here's another uh, summary. <laughs> Molly and James are together and raising a family, which now consists of an older Mikey and his baby sister, Julie. Tension between the siblings arises, and as well with Molly and James, when Molly's brother, Stuart, moves in. Mikey also lo is, is also learning how to use the toilet for the first time. <laughs> this one's got a 4.7? Are you serious? Who's doing this? This is... Just utterly ghastly. Just, I can't believe it. Let's, like, uh, take a look at the cast list. Of course, we have returning John Travolta as James, Kirsty Alley as Molly, Olympia Dukakis as Rosie, Molly's mother. We have joining the cast Elias, how do you say it? Cotez? K-O-T-E-A-S as Molly's baby brother, Stuart. Boy, this guy is cray. He is a barrel of laughs, this dude. We also have returning Twink Kaplan playing Rona, Molly's best friend. We have Bruce Willis returning as the voice of Mikey and Ju uh, Roseanne Barr from Roseanne at the time coming on as the voice of baby Julie. We also are introduced to Mikey's friend Eddie, Voiced by Damon Waynes and Gilbert Godfrey. Holy shizit. <laughs> yeah, if you thought this guy was like Cray and Problem Child running an orphanage, this guy is insane. As a, he's a, a, a play, like a, a playhouse type daycare center type of thing. And it's just freaking, this guy is nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> Oh, Mel Brooks as Mr. Toilet Man. So, of course, we do have a different boy coming in to play the role of Mikey in se uh, season one. Yeah. <laughs> in the first movie, Mikey was played by a bunch of boys chronicling his age from a fetus all the way up to a year old. And, of course, Mikey had straight blonde hair. In this movie, he's played by Lorne Sussman who is a curly mop top. 
I mean, he's not like Parenthood Justin 1989 level mop top, but yeah. And it's kind of funny because in the third movie, he's played by David Gallagher of Seventh Heaven fame, who's just straight blonde hair. So it's kind of funny that he goes from straight haired to curly to straight hair again. Megan Milner plays Julie at one year old. Of course, we got many other babies playing Julie. We got Georgia Keithley uh, playing four-month-old Julie. We got Nikki Graham, Julie New is the newborn Julie. Of course, Molly's father is played by Louis Heckerling, who plays Lou, who is also in real life Amy Heckerling's father. And both he and Olympia Dukakis will reprise their roles as Motley's parents in the third movie, Look Who's Talking Now, which I do plan to wait until December to cover that one, because it's kind of, it's set around Christmas, so I'm like, yeah, it's set it around Christmas. Looks like we got the same guy returning, um, Neil Israel as Mr. Ross. Of course, this movie's directed by Amy Heckerling, writers Amy Heckerling, Neil Israel, who plays Mr. Ross. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> Three nominations. Razzie Award nominee. Worst Supporting Actor, Gilbert Godfrey. Razzie Award nominee. West, worst Supporting Actress, Roseanne Barr. Stink, the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards, 1990. Worst Picture. I happen to like this trilogy. I really, really do. The tagline for this movie. Mikey's back and about to face his greatest challenge. His new baby sister. All right, here's some trivia. The Learjet featured in the movie was owned by John Travolta at the time the movie was made. Let's see. Tail number N254JT. JT equals John Travolta. In some early trailers, Richard Pryor did the voice of Eddie. Richard Pryor was offered the voice role of Eddie, but turned it down due to ill health. Oh, poor dude. In a 2016 interview with The Current, an online publication of the Criterion Collection, Amy Heckerling mentions that she had sort of been forced into doing a sequel to Look Who's Talking for legal reasons, and it was like, just like, the story is over. This was That was not a fun experience. Well, I liked the movie! One film in a late 1980s Hollywood cycle of baby pictures. The movies include Baby Boom, 87, For Keeps, 88, Immediate Family, 89, Three Men and a Baby, 87, which was based on the Recent French, French film, Three Men in a Cradle, 85. She's Having a Baby, 88. Look Who's Talking, 89. With a letter followed in the early 90s with Look Who's Talking 2. When James, Mikey, and Julie go to the cinema, a poster of Total Recall, 1990, is seen, which James impersonates the star of that movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Total Recall, 1990, was released in the United States on June 1st, 1990. Look Who's Talking 2, 1990, was released... In the United States on the 14th of December, 1990. James refers to Stewart as Travis Bickle. Referencing the movie Taxi Driver in 1976 during an argument with Molly. Ironically, James's former occupation was as a taxi driver. Now, I'd seen this movie plenty of times when I had gotten it on VHS at a store when I was probably maybe 14, 15 years old. And I had no idea who the hell Travis Bickle was. I'm like, when I, he says Travis Bickle, I'm like, oh, is that some, like, Leave it to Beaver type thing? Because I'd seen Leave it to Beaver, and I couldn't think. I thought he was referring to, like, Eddie Haskell or something. I don't know. 
Like, well, now I know. Although the film is rated PG-13 in the United States, the F word is used twice. Mikey has nightmares about a demonic teddy bear and Mr. Toilet. There's a tense moment which Mikey and Julie are in the apartment when it catches fire, and Molly has a cesarean, which a piece of severed Molly's gut is removed and is rather bloody and crazy. What does this have to do with the F word? I'll listen to it. I swear there's not an F word. If there was, there might have been one. But it's been a, quite a bit since I watched this. So, I'm like, what is this? This person's going on talking about the F word used twice. And then it's going on to Mikey having nightmares. And then issues with uh, the apartment catching on fire and Molly cesarean. Like, what in the what? Three years after the release of this film, a second sequel entitled Lucas Talking Now, 93, which concluded the Lucas Talking trilogy, was released on November 5th, 1993. The final in the trilogy depicts the Ubriaco family becoming the owners of two dogs, Rox and Daphne, voiced by Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton. So, like I said, I own the VHS, so of course there's not going to be subtitles. Now... I remember this quote here from Mikey when James takes Mikey with him to work because he still drives the taxi cab. And Mikey says, poor daddy, hanging out with buttholes all day long. I didn't hear buttholes, but upon rewatching it years ago, I'm like, okay, yeah, I hear it now. But I thought he said hanging out with bubbles all day long. I'm like, bubbles? What? What is that? I don't get that. Crazy credits. Sperm Wrangler. Uh, okay. So just like in the first movie, there's a lot of music. We got a lot of Elvis Presley for some reason, which is cool, because I, I like Elvis Presley. We got All Shook Up, Are You Lonesome Tonight. Um, there's Catch Us If You Can by the Dave Clark Five. Daddy's Coming Home. Do You Want to Dance? Fight for Your Right to Party by Beastie Boys. Uh, Glamour Boys. Get Got My Mind Set on You. I Enjoy Being a Girl. I Got You Babe. Jealous Guy. Minnie the Moocher. What? Party All the Time. Party Doll. Please Mr. Postman. Rebel Yell. Sea of Love. Whatever Would I Be. So it's kind of interesting. So this movie was released December 14th, 1990. That's like 11 days from Christmas. So this was a holiday film. That's cool. Uh, opening weekend made $8 million. Grossed $47,789,074. And that's pretty much worldwide gross. That, oh my gosh, guys, listen, look, article here. Okay. Kirstie Alley and John Travolta volunteer for Look Who's Talking reboot? Could you see James and Mo them reprising their roles as James and Molly Ubriaco and being grandparents? And then we get, like, Mikey's father and Julie's and just... I think that would be so... I would be down for that in a heartbeat. So much. Alright guys, I am ready to get into this movie. I am so ready for it. It's been such a... I honestly, I think I've seen this one more than I've seen the first one. Just because, like I said, I had it on VHS. And as a kid before cable, as a teenager, I watched my movies that I owned a hundred thousand times. So, without further ado, 
let's jump into Luke Who's Talking too. Hey, that rhymed. <laughs> so just like how the first Look Who's Talking movie started, we get pretty much, for all we know, they could have used the same footage from the first one, but we get the egg going through the fallopian tubes and all that stuff on its little journey. And of course, instead of the I love you so song by Chantel's, we get Sea of Love. And it sounds like Kirstie Alley singing along with it, which is kind of weird. So now we get James and Molly having sex or in the thrones of making love. Well, he's got his sweatpants on, so, and of course, while they're kissing, he's asking, hey, you got your diaphragm in, because, of course, they want, they're not looking to make a baby here, they're just uh, being married and having sex. Um, definitely, this apartment is different from the first one. I'm guessing they must have moved. This apartment, honest, honestly, out of the first movie and the third movie, I like this apartment because it's very colorful like a lot of bright colors like teals and pinks and yellows so we hear Mikey before we see him he's just trying to deliberate like okay let me see if I got this straight monsters aren't real but ghosts are real cowboys are real but witches aren't real he's like Santa Claus is real but ghosts aren't real cowboys are real but witches Witches aren't real. Dinosaurs aren't real and monsters used to be real. Is that the other way around? So we see that Mikey is now two years old. He's graduated from a crib to a toddler bed. And he's just like, just because it's dark doesn't mean monsters are coming out. I gotta listen more. It's so funny because he's like two years old and he's already thinking about these things that probably a maybe a three or four year old will be thinking about. So of course he's getting a little freaked out. He's seeing what looks like a barn and the little hayloft door opens and this creepy looking demon with red glowing eyes. And he's like, oh, I'm sure my toys are the same. I don't remember that one having batteries. I'm sure it's fine. And Mikey's like, okay, I'll get under the covers. And he pulls his comforter over his head. This devil looking red demon with glowing red eyes, like, puts his finger by this teddy bear with this lavender-colored satiny bow. And then the teddy bear's eyes start to glow red, and he fangs shoot out of his mouth, and his head starts to lower, and his just, mouth just, ah! And then the little... The devil creature with the glowing eyes is like, oh, isn't this funny? And Mikey is like, okay, this is, I can't handle this. And he's like, monster, monster. And of course, his room is right next to, it's on the other side of the wall of Molly and James's room. Oh my God, this thing, this bear is turning into like Freddy Krueger. You see its claws are like little nails that are coming out of its soft fur and it's just frightening. I mean, I'm 37, almost 38, and if I saw that in my room, I would be sleeping with the light on all night long. I would not be able to fall asleep. First we cut back to James and Molly's room and Maggie, again with the Maggie, why am I doing this? 
So Molly's like, I gotta get that. And James is like, no, no, don't worry, he'll stop. And she's like, no, he won't stop. And James is like, all right, you stay there and I will take care of this. Don't go anywhere. Oh, and as she grabs her accounting magazines, which are on her nightstand, he's like, don't, don't, don't go for the accounting magazines. She's like, why? He's like, because it gets you out of the mood. Have you ever thought of anything less sexy than flipping through an accounting ma- I didn't even know they made accounting magazines. I mean, they had a magazine for everything. They still, I mean, the magazine industry, I would think, is not as strong as it used to be. Because everybody was buying. I swear, at one point, I had, like, five or six different subscriptions to five or six magazines. It was nuts. And half the time, I wouldn't even read them. they just stay in the plastic. Like, oh, I guess I better get to this good housekeeping or... Red Book or Ladies Home Journal before uh, the next issue arrives in the mailbox. So James comes into the room and Mikey's like, Monster, monster! And James is like, No, no, there's no monsters in here. What are you talking about? And he starts playing with like the Popeye and the Gumby and the Garfield toys that Mikey has on his little shelves there. It's really cool because it's like the shelves, like, they have, like, a light set up in them, so it's just really, really cute. Oh, he's also got... Didn't I say this? This room is just bursting with custard yellow. Custard yellow walls. He's wearing... Mikey's wearing... This isn't pajamas. He's wearing, like, a sweater with a lined... light baby blue collar, and he's got a lamp that's got a yellow lampshade and a teddy bear that's also wearing yellow. A lot of yellow in this room. Goes against the blue of his comforter and pillow. I love how Mikey is just like, <laughs> I think my daddy likes these toys more than I do. Now mind you, Mikey does have a little bit of more of a vocabulary for two more than he had in the first movie. But of course it's mainly... Bruce Willis is giving us the inside thoughts to Mikey. Oh my god, he's got a peewee doll. Oh, and there's Garfield. There's Popeye. There, I think James said Gumby. What is that thing over there? I love how Mikey's like, oh, I wonder if he's going to do the flying turd gag again. It's like, watch out, Mikey, it's a flying turd. Of course, it's a Mr. Potato Head. There's also a Mrs. Potato Head on that shelf as well. Yeah, the shelves are, like, backlit. It's, like, the color everywhere. There's, like, Pepto-Bismol pink doors. But it's pretty cool. So, James gets up. It's like, all right, come on. Are you feel better? And I love how Mikey's just laughing, thinking, <laughs> I'll just tuck myself in. Why didn't I call you in here? <laughs> course James goes back into his room and Molly is asleep because she was reading accounting magazines he's like honey I told you not to read these come on wake up and she's like I'm sleepy he's like well that's never stopped us before oh yeah because she said you can't do it with me when I'm sleepy and he's like well that's never stopped us before (laughs) oh my god Journal of Accountancy. That's what that magazine is. Oh, James is complaining of the fact that uh, he just got Mikey to go to sleep. And he's like, we never get to do it anymore, please. Really? Really? 
Does Mikey keep you up every night with monsters, monsters? Here we go with the sperm. Okay, is this like Bruce Willis doing the voice here for one of these sperm? Because they're like, out of my way. And one says, this ain't no wet dream. I'm like, what? <laughs> Spermy or kinky. I mean, we thought Albert's spermy were kinky. and No, these ones are kinky kinky because they come from James. And he is a kinky guy. It's John Travolta. I mean, of course, his sperm is going to be like magic. Glitter. Rainbows. <laughs> so now we have Kirstie Alley doing the voice of the egg, I guess. That's what that thing is? I didn't know that sperm had eyeballs, like little tadpoles. These look like little tadpoles with giant butt. No. This is going to be John Travolta voicing the sperm and Kirstie Alley voicing the egg. And, of course, she's got the diaphragm, so you see the majority of the sperm hit the diaphragm, except for one who's like, hey, I found a spot to get through, through by the rim. And, of course... He gets right in there, chews through the egg. This is really nasty. And bing, bang, boom, she's prego. So right away, we get Roseanne Barr as the voice of Julie. Already like, here I am, conceived, all conceived, and nowhere to go. Yes, yeah, sweetie, you're going to be there for nine months, so get comfy. So remember how the first movie with the... Uh, egg being fertilized and all that good stuff and how it morphed into Molly barfing into a toilet. Well, now it's morphing into four grapes on a table with a cup of more grapes and looks like a couple bites taken out of a piece of bread. So we got Mikey and James in the kitchen or in the, yeah, at the kitchen table. They're both trying to see if they can get like a grape into the other's mouth. Like, hey, you missed. Go wide. <laughs> Cute. So it looks like Molly is already kind of pregnant. She's wearing looser clothes. Um, she comes in. She's got, she's been shopping. And she's like, hey, I picked something up. And, of course, James is like, oh, what'd you get me? She's like, oh, it's not for you. It is for you. And she points at Mikey. And it's a baby potty. So he can learn how to go to the bathroom on a baby toilet before he uses a big toilet. James is like, oh, don't you think he's a little young for that? And it's like, well, he is two. I mean, I don't know. What's the starting age? you start him at two? I always thought it was two, maybe three. I mean, I hope by four they're like 50%, if not 75% potty trained by then. And I love Mikey's like, a little young? That hat's never going to fit me. James is like, all right, you tell him. <laughs> and he's just laughing about it. She's like, I am not telling him. You're the guy. And he's like, oh, come on. And she's like, no, and when we have a girl, I will explain it to her. Of course, he's like, all right, and he stands up, and he holds up the baby potty and says, all right, Mikey, this is a toilet. And of course, as he's explaining, Molly has to jump in and start censoring his words. He's like, now, when you want to take a piss, you do it. And she's like, don't say piss. And he's like, what do you want me to say? She's like, pee-pee. Like, oh, God. 
Yeah, he's even like, well, okay, when you want to take a whiz. Like, ugh. <laughs> Molly's just not satisfied with his choice of words to describe urination. So James is like, what? See a man about a horse drain the snake? What? It's like, okay, these are clearly sayings I've never heard of. But then again, I'm not a boy, so. So Molly's like, pee-pee. And James is like, come on, pee-pee's such a wimp word. And she's like, no, pee-pee is easy for him to say. It's like, yeah, he's he's a toddler. Granted, pee-pee is two words and piss is, and whiz are, you know, one, but still. James was like, fine, fine, fine. All right, so, Mikey, when you want to take a pee-pee, you do it in here. And he pretends to unzip his pants and pretend that he's holding his, you know, wang to demonstrate. And she's like, okay, you're getting a little too graphic for, you know, two-year-old Mikey. And Mikey's like, Dad, who's kidding who, huh? And he's like, yeah, and also, you know, when you want to take a dump. And she's like, poo-poo. I love Mikey's just, like... This is a joke, right? And James was like, hey, Mikey, look, I know it sounds disgusting, but you got to trust me on this, all right? And Mikey, the look he's giving James and Molly, like, all right, let me get this straight. You want me to take a dump outside my diaper? I go, buddy, would you rather be walking around with a wet load until someone eventually smells it and says, oh, I guess we should change him? So, judging by Mikey's expression, James is like, he doesn't like it. And Molly's like, no, no, he does too. We just have to make it fun for him. So she pulls the toilet lid off the top of the baby potty, puts it on her head, and starts singing, come along and be my potty boy. They're inserting the word potty into this song, which I think it's normally like, come along and be my party boy. And also the, you gotta fight for your right to party. I just, I think it's cute how they inserted the word potty instead of party. And how Molly is like putting the potty lid like in front of James's crotch and also his ass. Like to demonstrate, see, you're gonna go to the potty when you pee and poo. I love Mikey who's just thinking, like, huh, I don't care what they do or say. I am not booping in that thing. Oh, yeah, as James and Molly are singing, Mikey's thinking, is this really an appropriate subject for a musical? I love how Molly has got the toilet lid and just is kind of, like, putting it right near Mikey's face. And, of course, he's going to be hitting it. Like, no, no. And James is like, oh, he doesn't like it. She's like, no, he does like it. Like, no, he hates it. Pee-pee. Pee-pee's such a wimp word. I don't no, know. Pee-pee is easy for him to say. 
take a baby, okay? You do it in here. You just do this. You just take it out, okay? Oh, what? That I was getting over. And, and in the same token, uh, when you want to take a dump. This is a joke, right? I know it sounds disgusting, Mike, but, you know, you got to trust me on this, okay? Let me get this straight. You want me to take a dump outside my diaper? He doesn't like it. He does too? Like no, we just have to make it fun for him. <laughs> Subject for a musical? And you can party too. Yes, you. My, you're a lag too. Party all the time. Party all the time. You got to fight for your right mm. to party. You got to fight for your right to party. He doesn't like it. He likes it. Hey, I don't care what they say. I ain't pooping in that thing. I got my standards. All right, now we got Molly and Rona hanging out at an outside cafe. And, of course, Rona's still dating guys, wondering, should I marry this guy if we have a kid? Because I guess this Brad was, like, making a weird face. And then Rona's, like, in her mind, flashing forward to them having a kid and a kid making that face. And she's like, okay, I just, I knew I couldn't continue our relationship. And Molly's like, you know you're deranged, right? That is just nuts. So this is where Rona is going by the magazines that she reads at the supermarket. Saying, oh, if you want a boy, eat so more sodium-rich foods. If you want a girl, eat more dairy. And Molly's like, where did you read that? The Harvard Medical Journal? And, of course, Rona's like, no. I read it in Star Magazine. It's like, if you want to determine what sex baby you're going to have, if you want to say that, you're going to have to make a choice. Because eventually those sex organs are going to form. And I'm like, she already has a boy. She clearly wants a girl. So, yeah, just eat more dairy. But then again, I've never had a kid. I've never taken any of that stuff into consideration. But it's kind of funny because in the first movie, Rona was going through a book saying about, like, oh, at this point in time in gestation and development, just about the sex organs and stuff. Like, what is her? I don't know. Oh, Molly says, where in the Harvard Medical Journal or the National Enquirer? Of course, just like with Mikey, like, oh my gosh, I got a little arm coming down, in down there. How do I get that in my mouth? With Julie, or the unnamed baby at this point, she's like, let's see, two arms, two legs, and two mouths? Luckily in the third movie, the puppies don't like, oh my gosh, I got a butthole down there. I wonder what I can stick in that or something like that. I don't know. So now we're going to head to Molly's work. She's entertaining Mikey. Apparently they can't find someone to watch him. So she's going to bring him to work. And then eventually, of course, James is going to have to bring Mikey to work. And it's just a pain in the butt. I guess they can't afford a, a daycare. Well, wait, that comes later. So they're doing one of these little preschool computer programs like D what comes up dog it doesn't look like a dog it looks like a sheep to me a naked sheep it makes a woof 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 sound <laughs> of course I love Mikey he's sitting on Rona's lap he's like yeah 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 I know all about computers you see on a a filing cabinet a lot of pictures of 
what looks like could be Mikey. I love how Mikey kind of takes charge, like, hey, scoot over, girls. They got a lot of work to do. And I'm just thinking now someone Mikey's age would probably be playing on an iPad watching Disney Plus or something or some cartoons on YouTube. Kids today start early with their development of technology. I mean, there's a lot more technology now than there was back 30 years ago when this movie came out. So he pushes a button, up comes a jar. And he's like, yeah, I'm getting pretty good at this. Maybe I ought to get a job working here. Because <laughs> he thinks it's just playing on the computer. Of course, here comes their boss. He's like, what are you girls up to? And they're like, nothing, nothing. And they shove Mikey under this. And he's like, nothing. So we see Mikey underneath the desk. He's like, oh, this is how grown-ups get so tall. Because he's, <laughs> he sees Rona's shoe. And I think he takes her shoe off and starts tickling her foot. Of course, she's trying to keep a straight face for her boss. Like, oh, no, nothing's going on. So, yeah, Molly's just, oh, we're working on this one account. And the guy's like, oh, are you going to send that account a spreadsheet with pictures on it? Because there's a picture out. This little dink computer. It's just, it's so funny because we've come so far in 30 years. <laughs> and this, at this point, this was 1990, so. You can see Rona laughing. <laughs> you can't, I mean, because he's tickling her foot. And the boss is like, something weird's going on here. So he bends down. He's like, what is that? This guy's clearly not got any kids because you wouldn't, like, say that about a child. And I love Mikey's response, like, thinking, hey, what's up, my man? What's up? And Rona's like, oh, I think it's a kid. He's like, I can see it's a kid. What the hell is a kid doing in the office? And, of course, Molly's like, look. I had, it was an emergency situation. My husband couldn't take him. Um, I didn't have anyone to watch him, so I had to bring him here. And the, and now the boss is all, like, being a dick. Well, he is a dick. He was a dick in the first movie, too. He's all, <laughs> like, oh, you think because you're pregnant, you deserve special consideration. And then he starts saying about, oh, when I was under the anesthetic and I came out of a surgery, I was like, where's my anti machine? Where's my calculator? We cut to baby Julie in the womb going, boy, this guy's loud and opinionated. What the hell? He's like, hey, this is an office, not a nursery. Like, maybe you need to have a daycare center then, you jerk. And it's like, dude, why are you screaming in front of this toddler? You'll be freaking him out. This guy clearly has no children. I feel bad for Molly. This guy's raving her out for no damn reason. It's not like the kid's, like, running around the office and, like, spilling stuff all over the place. But we do see Mikey putting some white out on that guy's shoe, which is well-deserved. It's like, you mess with my mother, you mess with me, asshole. Well, he doesn't say that in actual words, but those, that's his thought process. He's like, here, shoes, have a drink. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, hey, sir, cut that mullet. It's 1990, not 1984. Yeah, you've seen how accountancy is filled with hardship and sacrifice and how if she wanted an easy job, she should have been a car rental person or a dental hygienist. And then he goes on about his bleeding ulcer and coming out of the anesthetic and blah, blah, blah. All right, now we're going to go to Molly's parents' house. 
where the fridge is open, we see a sign that says, Accountants do it without losing their balance. Oh, clever if you're an accountant. Because, of course, Molly's an accountant because her parents are accountants. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean because your parents both have the same job that you're going to have that same job, but... I hear accountants make pretty decent money. Yeah. Doesn't mean I want to be one, but yeah. Cool. So, of course, now that James is married to Molly, he's going to be under scrutiny from... Of course, Rosie. She doesn't like James. I don't think she liked him when she found out he was the babysitter. She definitely doesn't like the fact that she probably feels that Molly settled for James. Like, you could have any man you want. You chose this guy. And she's like, well, how did you come to this figure? Because they're doing taxes. And, of course, James is a cab driver, so he probably lives off a low wage and mainly tips. So she's like, how did you come to this figure for your tips? And James is like, oh, I guessed. Now, also, we get into, remember the first movie, how Jimmy was being a flight instructor? And I guess he also counts that as income because she's like, oh, as a flight instructor, you earned $9,212. Which, I don't know, is that, that's probably pretty low for 1990, I would imagine. So then he's got two separate incomes, which is, one, the... Flight instruction is more of a hobby than his main occupation, which is the cab driving. And James is like, oh, wow, really? That's pretty good. And I love how Molly is just popping some food into her mouth and just looking at him and just kind of like, yeah, that's my husband. Yeah. You did good, babe. <laughs> so, you know Rosie is just trying to be like slamming James. Oh, you know, that's only 177 a week. And James, to his defense, is like, well, it's not my main job. And poor Mikey's like, why are you beating up on my dad? Jeez. It just, it just said it's, cut him some slack. He just said it's not his main job. I mean, I'm sure if Mikey could actually vocalize these words, he'd be sticking up for his pop. Even Molly's like, Mom, can you knock it off already, please? So apparently because James is married, he has not have a, had an opportunity to fly. So it's basically just cab driving, cab driving, cab driving. And he's like, yeah, at the rate I'm going, I'll never work for an airline. And Rosie's like, oh yeah, at this rate, there are a lot of things you won't be doing. It's like, okay, enough. Stop berating this man, your son-in-law. Of course, I love, we don't, have not met him yet, but I love how James kind of throws Stuart under the bus. Like, oh yeah, unlike your son, Stuart. Like, yeah, he is, Stuart, who's got a plethora of opportunities. So, yeah, James is really harping on Stuart here. He's like, hey, every two weeks he calls Molly for money. Yeah, of course Rosie is going to defend her baby boy. Like, oh, don't worry about Stuart. He'll be all right once he settles down settles down he's like what 26 how much more selling this guy just running wild doing whatever he wants just because apparently this guy's an accountant too the whole family is accountants and think about it they live in new york that's expensive as hell to live there Luckily, I mean, if Molly weren't an, an accountant and making whatever money she makes they'd be living in a shoebox Oh, yeah, she's like, he has a degree in accounting, which is like money in the bank, something you know nothing of. Like, ugh, constantly with the ribbing, my god. 
Yeah, and James just puts up a hand, like, you know what, enough of this. Like, hey, Mikey, you want to go with me? We're going to go drive somewhere that isn't here. I don't know what Carvel is, but Mikey's down for it. It's like, hey, I got the time. I ain't doing nothing. You got diapers? Let's go. And, of course, once James leaves, Rosie's all like, oh, what'd I say? And Molly's like, Ma, you're forever on his case. And she's like, hey, he's a schmendrick. Oh, she says he's a slob, he's belligerent. He has the earning, this is the 90s, everybody. And she says he has the earning capacity of an illiterate immigrant. Good grief. And of course she's like, but I won't say anything if that's what you want. And Molly's like, that's what I want, please. So we get a close-up shot of Mikey's juice cup, which is sitting on... Molly's belly and she's like that's your baby sister Julie in there she's kicking and Mikey's like let me get this straight my little sister is in my juice cup oh they've already she's already named the baby okay gotcha I don't know where she came up with a name for Mikey oh my gosh I just Molly Mikey James and Julie ah I wow I know far-fetched She's like, oh, you want to feel? So she takes this juice cup off her stomach and takes Mikey's hand and presses it on her stomach. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> and we go into the womb with Julie. Like, oh, my gosh. And you hate it when you get your hair caught in your placenta. It looks like a giant brain on her head. But then again, you see the umbilical cord thing attached to her belly button and then to the placenta. Is that how that works? Oh, this is sweet, Mikey. Already being a big brother to his little sister. And she isn't even born yet. He's like, hey, let's play our song, Mom. And he puts this little music box with bears on Molly's stomach for baby Julie. Oh, no, no, I'll never get that song out of my head. (laughs) So we see Molly putting Mikey to bed and tells him how, you know, when the new baby's here, I'm going to need your help. You know why? And he's like, tell me. Because you're going to be Julie's big brother. And he's all right, lay one on me as he puts his hands out on her either side of her face and pulls her in. (laughs) So she's like, all right, you're going to be your big brother. Remember that. And we see Mikey, he goes into this weird dream, and he's like, I'm going to be a big brother. Wow. So, of course, we see Mikey getting the bottle ready. The bottle's in a pot on the stove, and he's testing it, making sure it's all ready, nice and room temperature for her. So, yeah, this is the first of quite a few montages in this movie. I know we got had a few in the first one, but, of course, there's some here, too. So, yeah, he puts the... She's in a high chair. This is not the same baby they use for Julie, but they, she's in a high chair. Mikey puts the bottle in her mouth. Like, oh, in the mouth. Nope, not in the nose. Going to FAO Schwartz on Fifth Avenue. Gonna go shopping for toys. Now, I've never been to FAO Schwartz. I've never been to New York. I'd like to one day go to New York. I hear it's great. So they come out of it, and Mikey's like, gosh, can you believe what they're asking for teddy bears? I'm telling you, it's a crime. It's funny because we see a window display that has nothing but different 
Snoopy stuffed animals in many variations. And when I originally watched this on VHS, I kept wondering, like, who is that short person pushing the cart with Mikey? And I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be his mother. But since his mother is normally supposed to be, you know, normal size, he's got her shrink down to his size so that way he feels more in control. Because he's a big brother and he's got the responsibility of taking care of his baby sister. So, Mikey's kind of going down the list of the things we've gotten. Teddy bear, teething rings. I had to look up uh, PJ Sparkles. I guess it was a television cartoon. Voiced by Jody Benson, who did the voice of Ariel. Of course, Mikey stops at a pretzel vendor. One of those soft pretzel vendors. Out on the street, and he gives one to who's supposed to be baby Julie in his dreams here. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's fine, there's no salt on it. It's like this pretzel is as big as this baby's head. So as Mikey is pushing the stroller, a little thug kid dressed in leather and change chains and a bandana comes out takes the toy away from baby julie here in mikey's dream and mikey just is like oh hell no as he yanks the toy away it's like oh i bet you never mess with anyone's big brother before and just pushes the kid and he goes down so he gives the toy back to julie and hugs her and says oh i love you i promise i'll never let anyone hurt you it's so funny because this is his version of how he thinks being a big brother is gonna be when we know it's not gonna be all sunshine and unicorns and rainbows no it's gonna be an adjustment I love how we cut back to Mikey and he's like, wow, looks like I got my work cut out for me. So James is now in the cab. Mikey's in a car seat up front. And this guy is just complaining in the backseat of customers all like, hey, look at this mess you've gotten us into. You should have taken this street. And we just see James in his taxi in a sea of taxis. There's like one, two, three, four, five taxis. I think there's a limousine behind a, a couple cars away from James. But he's just irritated. It's like, oh, this is my life. I hate it. I want to do something different. He wants to be a pilot. And it's like, see, I told you to take 48th. And James is like, 48th is just as bad as this. It's like, dude, you're in New York. All the damn streets are going to be filled with taxis. It's going to be bumper to bumper traffic. The guy's like, hey, why don't you hang a left and get on to 46? Like, dude, you're in bumper to bumper traffic. You ain't moving. You ain't going to hang a left anywhere. And we cut to Mikey, who's like, poor daddy, hanging out with buttholes all day long. And I just, yeah, like I said, I just remember no subtitles in VHS sounding like you said, hanging out with bubbles all day long. So, Mikey, of course, is thinking, hey, Dad, you want to think about getting some toys in here, maybe? I mean, it's lonely in the front seat. You don't have any toys? Nothing to occupy him? No wonder he starts playing with the buttons that, that uh, 
say what the fare is. Like, oh, here, let me press this button. Oops, I think I broke it. Here, let me press this other button. So the guy in the back seat's had enough. He's like, hey, just pull over. I can walk faster. It's like, fine, here we go. Your fare is. And the guy's like, here, here's $5. And James is like, no, wait a minute. My kid pushed a button. And the guy's like, hey, don't bring him to work. So James, of course, he's not mad at his son. He's just like, hey, did you push the button? And Mikey's like, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> I don't know. So the fare before Mikey pushed the button is twelve fifty at this point. Then he pushed the button, it turned it off, turned it back on, and it now says a dollar fifty. The guy gave him two bucks because he saw it was a buck fifty. He's like, no, wait, my kid pushed a button like button, like, well then don't bring him to work. Put some toys in there, give him something to do. That's gonna be so boring riding around with you all day with nothing to do. No toys. It looks like Molly is taking a couple clients that are arguing to the IRS building. And they just, this couple will not start, stop arguing about whatever. And even the guy who's at the head of the IRS is just like, enough, 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 stop. Can someone call me, just tell me what the hell happened? Apparently this was a bad business loan. All right. So, of course, I'm guessing that this restaurant that this guy... I'm guessing they're cousins, siblings? I don't know. Um, their Uncle Ernie convinced them to call their restaurant Eat Me Raw. Now, when I was 10 or 11 or 12, whatever, I had no idea the subtext of what Eat Me Raw means. Uh, of course it's a sushi restaurant, but even still, it's like, just the term, you know, the sexual implications of eat me, meaning, eat me raw, ugh, (laughs) I would not want to go to a restaurant that says eat me raw. So, the guy in the glass is like, oh, it was a great idea, and you just see the lady who is, what, a sibling, a wife, a something, it's all like, just rolling her eyes, like, worst idea ever. And he's like, oh, it's going to have sushi, steak tartare, and raw vegetables. And she's like, you know, crudities. You mean crudite? She's saying crudities. This says crudite because there's a little slash mark over the E. Traditional French appetizers consisting of sliced or whole raw vegetables, which are typically dipped in a vinaigrette or other dipping sauces. Example, crudities include celery sticks, carrot sticks, cucumber sticks, bell pepper strips, broccoli, cauliflower, fennel, and asparagus spears. Yeah, crudité, not crudities. And that's how I learned. I'm like, oh yeah, they've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. So, of course, they're both the glasses guy and the whoever, cousin, sister, wife, whatever this person's supposed to be to him. It's like, people thought it was an X-rated movie house. I'm like, well, do you blame them? (laughs) Eat me raw? Yeah. Of course, I still wanted to eat there. And every, uh, or they didn't, and everyone was offended. You put this in 2020, you aren't even, even gonna get an opening to your restaurant with a name as Eat Me Raw. Eat Me Organic, or, uh, I can't, Eat Me Gluten Free, I don't know. <laughs> of course, Molly is starting to do some breathing because she's 
having uh, some issues. The guy at the IRS is noticing, like, are you all right? And she's like, oh, I think I'm going into labor. And the guy's like, oh, my God. And she's like, oh, you know what? It's not, it's not a big deal. <laughs> These things take hours, believe me. So like, all right, let's get uh, down to business here. Because we cut to Julie in, in the womb, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to blow this pop stand. I'm all cramped in this thing, probably the placenta and the umbilical cord. So I'm guessing that must be how she accidentally gets it around her neck. So the IRS guy wants to know if Molly wants to reschedule. Saying, no, it's not a big deal. These things take hours. So there's a $1,200 loss due to salmon or sushi or whatever the hell. Who cares? And it seems like Molly's having some contractions there. She's trying to do her Lamaze. Maybe she finally went to Lamaze. And she's, like, breathing really heavily. And you just see, like, this the IRS guy, like, trying to keep the papers, like, on the table. So what are we seeing here in the womb? Is Julie trying to commit suicide by putting the umbilical cord around her neck? Because she's, oh, this will teach me to accessorize. What? 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 This isn't the alternate ending to the butterfly effect. If you haven't seen the butterfly effect, fast forward 30 seconds. Because I'm going to spoil the alternate ending. Um, Evan goes back, all the way back, to the time when he's in the, room, in the womb. And takes his own life by uh, choking himself with the umbilical cord. To prevent all the bad stuff happening to all those people. Who's him living basically affects all those people's lives. So, yep. What the what? Apparently this Ernie guy was not, their uncle Ernie was not a restaurant man. He was an idea man. The guy's asking, like, hey, do you have the books? And these two dum-dums are all like, books? What do you mean, books? And the lady, what do you mean? What do you mean? God, all these people are stupid as hell. The guy's like opening a book and saying pieces of paper with numbers written on them. Debits and credits. You clearly had the restaurant open. What about the income that came in and with people that actually ate at the restaurant? <sighs> people are morons. How do they even get that restaurant off the ground? And of course the glasses guys like, no, we don't have any of that stuff. Like, be, get the fuck out of my office then. What are you wasting my time for? I have appointments with people who know what the hell they're doing. With actual problems. You guys have a mess. Molly's had enough. Tells the, the couple to shut the hell up. And says, just allow the damn deduction. Uncle Uri, Ernie was a piece of shit and just allow the deduction. They lost their shirts. Let's move on. Oh, she's like, Uncle Ernie was an idiot. It was a stupid idea and they lost their shirts. So just allow the lousy deduction. Oh, she's, oh, the same demonic exorcist voice. Like the first one, fuck my breathing. And she's just like, just allow the fucking deduction. And now we come to the womb and Julie's got the umbilical cord wrapped right around her neck. She, oh, I heard life is short, but this is ridiculous. You can't, was this not intentional? I mean, I know she's a baby, but still. The same doctor who delivered Mikey delivering Julie, and he tells Molly, don't be alarmed, but your baby is in distress. So she, Molly's freaking out. She's like, what was wrong? 
And he's like, don't worry, we just, we're going to do a cesarean instead of a, a normal, instead of a normal birth. So Rona's checking out the babies in the nursery through the window. James comes in, drops off Mikey with Rona. And I love how she's like, oh, Mikey, you're going to be a big brother. And he's like, you know what, Rona, I'm the right man for the job. He doesn't say that to her, but that's his thought. Just the right kid for the job. Adorable. So Molly, of course, is worried. Where's James? And she's like, did my husband get here yet? And the nurse is like, oh, yeah, we called him. He's on his way. And he pops right in. And Molly's like, James, the baby's in trouble. Julie's in trouble. And James is like, oh, no, honey, don't worry. Okay, she's coming right out. It's going to be just fine. See, now, because this is his kid... He's more confident, like, oh, don't worry, don't worry, it's going to be all right. So James, of course, is kind of looking, they're doing a, ces a cesarean, so there's going to be a bit of blood and other things. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's educational. And just his eyes roll back in his head, and he is on the floor. Molly's in the room, all the balloons. One of them says, oh, it's a girl, and Rona's leaving. And I love how Molly's like, you're next. And Rona's like, oh, I hope so. Oh, that's sweet. And apparently uh, her father's also leaving as James comes in with Mikey, and Mikey gets to meet his new baby sister. Dad. <laughs> Mikey, this is your sister, Julie. Hiya, Julie. Welcome to the outside. I'm your big brother, Mikey. I'm going to be in charge of your life for the next two or three years, smacking you around, getting you in shape, teaching you things. Anything you need, don't be afraid to ask. Who's this asshole? No, no, say no more. Of course you're tired after all that traveling, especially that long trip down the birth canal. <laughs> Stop, you're killing me. I got you a little something for coming into the world, and here it is. Have a cow, honey. Ah! Get away! All right, fine, don't have a cow. So, yeah, James comes in, and he's got... You know, Mikey in his arm. M Molly asks, you know, how's your head? And he's like, Ugh. And he says, hey, Mikey, see, this is your sister, Julie. And we see, we don't see it yet until Mikey shows it. But he says, hey, 
I'm gonna be in charge of your nut, your life for the next two or three years, smacking you around, smacking you around, getting you in shape, teaching you things. And Julie just looks at him like, "Who is this asshole?" <laughs> like, like I'm your big brother, Mikey. And he's like, "Oh, oh, don't say no more." I mean, of course you're tired after that long trip down the birth canal. <laughs> uh, and Julie's just like, "Stop." You're killing me. Like, you're not funny. <laughs> so this is no, definitely not an adorable sibling meet cute. It uh, <laughs> it doesn't go over so great in Julie's eyes. She's already like, ugh, this kid's my brother. No, thank you. Mikey says, well, I just wanted to give you a little something for coming into the world. And here you go, honey. Have a cow. And Julie's like, ah, get it away. And he's like, okay, don't have a cow. <laughs> so that was their first introduction. He shoves that stuffed cow like right in her face. And newborns, really, their vision, I don't think it's not going to be super 100% crystal clear. And all they see is this black and white blob like getting closer and closer to their face. Like, <laughs> I'd be freaked out. If you think about it, that stuffed cow is probably as big as Julie is. It's kind of interesting how when I'm watching this, you're hearing Bruce Willis, but you're seeing the boy who plays Mikey. I think he's just played by one kid here. He's, you know, in the first movie, he was played by multiples because he was growing from an infant all the way up to a one-year-old. So, different development stages. But... Here they just got one. Normally they have, you know, twins playing the babies. But what I'm getting at is the fact that when Bruce Willis is speaking, the boy who plays Mikey is, you know, flapping his, his lips. Like, he, it's almost like trying to, like, move your mouth when the voice over is on or something. I don't know. All right, so here's where we meet Mikey's friend, Eddie. We weren't introduced to him in the first movie, but here he is. He is voiced by Damon Waynes. So we know that Mikey eventually is going to have to... Because as we saw in the beginning with Molly bringing home the baby potty, he and Mikey and Eddie are just hanging out on the playground. And Mikey says, hey, Eddie, you want to go get an apple juice? And Eddie's like, no, man, I'm into my training thing. And <laughs> Mikey's like, what kind of training thing? And he says, I'm wearing the training pants, man. And that's when Mikey realizes, like, oh, no, they got you, too. Don't tell me you're into this potty thing also. So Eddie is the one that brings up the toilet man. He says, we have to. The toilet man says so. And Eddie... Gives Mikey the 411 on Mr. Toilet Man. Says he likes to eat your doo doo and your pee pee. So I say, you know, give it to him. Mikey can't believe it. He's like, eat your doo doo and your pee pee? Who told you that? And of course, Eddie's like, my mother. Why? You calling her a liar? And Mikey's like, no, no, I'm not calling her a liar. I love the kid who plays Eddie. He just keeps looking upward. She, and he's going on about how my mother told me that diapers are for babies. And I'm like, they're, they're too? Is it? I gotta ask, is that maybe a smidge early? 
for for diaper tra- for toilet training uh maybe not in the 90s but now it seems like kids that are potty trained it seems like it's more like on the verge of like 3 maybe if it's more difficult maybe 4 Mikey can't even imagine like eat your doo doo and your pee pee it's Mr. Toilet Man business ugh it's too hideous to comprehend so Mikey wants to put this whole Mr. Toilet Man business to bed for a bit. Like, hey, let's go take my little sister for a walk. Because we see Molly and Eddie's mom hanging out on the bench. Just, you know, being mothers. Julie's in her little, uh, walk. What do you call? Now I'm blanking on what the stroller. It's a stroller. I was going to say walker, but I'm like, no, that's not it. Both boys climb down from that playground structure that looks like a... I don't even... I can't even remember, but I remember climbing on one of these things. It's like got the little um, hexagon colored, you know, plates on it, and then you kind of hang from the the bar, like different bars and stuff like that. Kind of like... The mucky bars, only not. It's like a... it's, it's, It's a dome. I can't think of it. Oh... Well, anyway, the boys go over, and each of them grabs the handle of the stroller. And it's like, hey, quick, while the moms aren't looking, let's take her to the zoo and leave her there. Okay, Eddie. (laughs) So, we see Julie's point of view. And she's like, oh, well, he would have a friend. And (laughs) Mikey's like, oh, I don't think she's going to like the lions, Eddie. And she's, she's just like, oh, they're both schmucks. And she starts crying for Molly. Like, mommy, mommy. And this one, finally, Molly and Eddie's mom look up like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because the boys are basically just taking Julie for a ride. It's like, my gosh, it's, it's New York City. Holy shit. If this were 2020, I mean... What was everything? Those kids would not be outside. They would be indoors. But no, you would not be taking your eyes off your kid. Because they have Julie like off to the side and her stroller like off to the side of the bench they're sitting on. It's like, no, you have the baby directly in front of you. Like facing you at all times. I'm not a parent, but I think that that makes sense. So, Molly reprimands Mikey, says, Mikey, don't you ever take your little sister away like that again, okay? You made Mommy's heart jump into her throat. We just look at Mikey, just like, ugh, Mom, do you have to be so graphic? (laughs) What in the hell type of hat is my, it's like a sun hat that's got, like, plastic berries on it, and it just looks really Gross and gaudy. Oh, poor Mikey. I mean, his heart was in the right place. He's like, I was just taking her for a walk. I thought you'd have a good time. I'm sorry. Molly's looking at Julie. Oh, honey, are you okay? And Mikey bends down like, oh, here, let me give you a, a present. Here, what's this? He picks it up. And Molly's like, oh, my gosh. And <laughs> Eddie's mom is like, oh, what is it? And Molly's like, well, it's hospital garbage. They make crack pipes out of these. Ew! Dang it, you gotta find another park. <laughs> no, no more. Don't, don't go to that park. Granted, this is what, this is 1990, right? Okay, yes. So I'm looking it up. 
Look Who's Talking 89, Look Who's Talking 2 1990, so it came out the following year. And then Look Who's Talking th- Now, I almost called it Look Who's Talking 3, but that came out in 1993, and of course I will be covering that for December, for the Christmas season. Yay! I watch it every every Christmas, guys. Every December I watch it. So, right away, Molly is whipping out the baby wipes. And this is 1990, so I don't know if those wipes are the kind that are germ removal. So Molly's like, give mommy your hand. She's like, oh no, gross. Ugh. It's like, ugh. Did hand sanitizer exist in 1990? I can't remember. I don't, I don't, gosh. I don't remember the first time I ever actually saw hand sanitizer. So Molly is like, that is it. I have had it with this park. And she picks up Mikey and it's like, all right, let's get out of here. All right, so it looks like it's later that night. And we see this weird black and white cartoon that looks like a knockoff of the early days in the Looney Tunes. Something about, and it's a really horrific commercial. I don't even know what the fuck this thing uh, is that's singing about dogs enjoying the pound. And it 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 looks like a walrus that's standing up. What does it have to do with dogs at the pound? But anyway, um, Molly turns the TV off and tells Mikey that it's time to go to bed. So this is going to be a disagreement on how to handle. You know, this is just too. You know, James and Molly, of course, have only been married for a short time, probably about what, maybe a year? And we already see they kind of have differences on how to explain the potty situation to Mikey. Now Molly wants to instill a specific bedtime. And James is like, well, no, I promised him that we would watch a video. And she's like, well, no, he has to get up early in the morning. Which they start arguing and then they end up taking it out into the hallway, which it's like, you live in an apartment? Don't take it out into the hallway. Leave it in your apartment. Yeah, because James has got the remote and he turns the movie back on. It's like, he's like, what are you doing? I told him he could watch a video. And Molly says, well, I told him he has to go to bed. It's basically a fight over the TV. Molly keeps using her foot to turn the television off. And James has got the remote, so he keeps flipping it back on. He's like, well, I made a promise to Mikey that he could finish watching the video. It's like, this video sucks anyway. I don't see what Mikey would be getting. Because it's a cartoon. Put on a Disney movie. And Molly just is like, he can finish it tomorrow. He's tired. And James looks at her and says, don't undermine me. And she's like, you don't undermine me. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I can understand. They're two people. They're coming at this parenting thing where Molly's more strict. And James is more lax. And he looks at her like, let's take this outside. And she's like, okay, fine with me. What the fuck is this video? This is some weird ghost dog shit. Where these prisoners that are ghosts are going to the electric chair. And I'm like, what? So we keep kind of undercutting. We see Mikey on the couch. 
And he's looking at Julie kind of like, this is your fault. Just because she's a baby, I have to go to bed early. What does that mean? Of course, we see Julie in her playpen that is very huge. They were back then. She's looking at Mikey like, what are you looking at? These kids, these two do not get along. So they come outside into the hallway and he's basically telling her, if I say Mikey can do something and you come along and say he can't, you're basically cutting my nuts off in front of me. So they get into a fight about who's the one who's going to be making the decisions when it comes to Mikey. And Molly's like, what, so because you're the man and you have the nuts, you get to make all the decisions? And he's he's getting in an argument with her saying, I don't make all the decisions because I'm the man. And more than likely, this shit's going to move right into the path like, you don't have a real job, you drive a taxi, or uh, you're the one that's bringing in all the money, so you apparently get to make all the decisions. That is, the biggest fights in marriage is either money or it's about how you're raising your dang kids. Jeremy and I don't, <laughs> that, it's just, it's weird. Jeremy and I don't fight. We might get into a, a disagreement, but eventually one of us, we come to an understanding of so, some sort. So James is really trying to keep his anger in check. He says, look, if I promise him something, don't make me look like an asshole. And she says, you're doing a fine job all by yourself. And then, of course... The neighbor has to come up like, well, you shut up. <laughs> and Molly starts shouting at her. <laughs> but Lydia, first, like, can you guys keep it down out there, okay? Please? So, <laughs> so Molly wants to make clear that James understands, look, I am his mother. I see my tired baby sitting there, and I know that he's got to get up early the next morning. And he's like, for what? And she says, I'm taking him to baby gym. And James rolls his eyes like, oh, are you kidding me? Baby gym? And she tells him he has to learn to socialize with other kids. And James tells her, take him to the park. And she's like, I'm not taking him to the park anymore. You want to know what he did today? He picked up a crack pipe. And... She keeps going on about, you know how many diseases he can get from that? And James is all concerned, like, you are raising Mikey to the point where he's going to be a real crybaby when he gets older. And he's like, ugh. I love what she says. He's got to get up early the next morning. And James is like, for what? <laughs> he's like, oh, you're so scared. You're going to bring him up to be a real crybaby. I know it. So Molly puts her foot down and says, I am going to baby gym and I don't see why you care anyway. And James comes at her like, well, what does that mean? What's that supposed to mean? And Molly's like, well, what do you mean? What does it mean? And James comes at her like, oh, I know what it means. It means it's your money, so I'm not supposed to care. So, yep, brings it right from how to raise your kids into you make more money than me, so you get to make all the decisions. Yep. Oh, they are really getting into this. And she's like, I do not make all the decisions. And she's like, I have never brought up money with you. It's like he knew going into this marriage, into this relationship, she's a fucking accountant. She's making bank. And he's, you know, he's a New York taxi driver. I don't know what they make, but clearly he's making less than her. But it's almost like, why do you, oh, it's almost like, 
he feels like he's losing this argument, so he's gonna, like, throw in, like, oh, well, you make more money than me, so you get to make all the decisions. Like, oh, fuck off. I think that's honestly James' insecurity is the fact that he makes less money than a woman, than, you know, his wife. And I think that that just comes from, you know, this is 1990, and they're both in their 30s, so they grew up in probably... I'd say the early 60s, where this was the idea that the man worked out of the house, the woman stayed at home, and James is just like, no, it's, it, it seems like it's a guy thing. I mean, I really, I don't know if that type of behavior is still around today with so much that has changed. I mean, more likely, we're living in a world where both partners in a marriage have to have a job. Have to have a job. Unless the husband is has a job that can fully support both him and his spouse and his children where she the wife either doesn't have to work. She could stay at home, be a stay, stay at home mom or she can you know, go to work on a, a degree of sorts or something to that effect. So I was like, oh what does everything have to be your way? And Molly's like it doesn't. And James is like ugh! And Molly's, oh, oh, you. And the lady finally comes back up. She's like, well, you shut up. And Molly's like, you shut up. If I say Mikey can do something, and you come along and say he can, then you're cutting my nuts off right in front of him. How can I be a good dad? So because you're the man and you have the nuts, you get to make all the decisions? I don't get to make all the decisions because I'm the man. Look, if I promise him something, okay, don't make me look like an asshole. Oh, you're doing a good job of that yourself. Can Thanks. keep it down I see my tired baby sitting there, and I know that he's got to get up early the next morning. <laughs> what? Because I'm taking him to baby gym. Oh, no, not baby gym. He needs to learn to socialize with other kids. Well, take him to the park. I'm not taking him to the park anymore. Today, you know what he did? He picked up a crack pipe. Well, throw it out. You have any idea how many diseases he could get from oh, that? Oh, God, you're so scared. You're going to bring him up to be a real crybaby. I can see it. I can see it. I am going to baby gym, and I don't see why you care anyway. What's that supposed to mean? What do you mean, what does it mean? I know what it means. It means that it's your money, so I'm not supposed to care. I did not say that. Well, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking that you earn more money, so you can make the decisions, and I'm out of here. I do not make yeah. the decisions, and I have never, what? ever brought Everything up money with you way. before. Why does anything have to be your way? It doesn't! I'll rub you! I'll you! All right, so we go back into the apartment. I love how they got the door open. Mikey's sitting on the couch. We got Molly in the playpen. I'm like, so is one of you keeping an eye on your kids? Because one's in a playpen and the other one's on the couch, which Mikey's two. So I don't know. I don't think he's going to fall off the couch or anything like that. But still, it's like, eh, I don't know. So we get commentary here from Julie, who's taking, let's stay, take stock here. And as she starts with Mikey, my brother is 27 pounds of stupid. And Julie's looking at, you know, Molly and James saying, well, my parents are okay separately, but as a couple, they stink. <laughs> this just, I mean, because it's voiced by Roseanne Barr, and I'm just thinking this could be Roseanne's, like, POV of her taking stock of James and Molly. Like, oh, they're okay separately as people, but as a couple, they really fucking suck. <laughs> they shouldn't be together. So, of course, while 
Julie is commentating, we hear James, who gets a drink out of the kitchen, is like, why don't you put me in a fucking dress? Like, he just feels like she's emasculating him. Now, Molly, we really don't, she she says, why don't you go over there and tell her what, I'm guessing, the bitch that was screaming at them to shut the hell up? Like, dude, what is it gonna do? Who, what? I don't know. And Julie <laughs> looks down at this adorable stuffed penguin. She says, oh, I guess you're my only friend, Herbie. And we see this adorable stuffed penguin. So we have Rona and Molly just walking the streets of New York. I don't think they're going to work. I think they're just walking, just, you know, having some girl time. And Rona, of course, we know her. She's one that kind of likes to get out there and mingle. But... She's got a mission. She's got a Her mission is she wants, she's always looking for the right guy. Like the guy she wants to, you know, have a kid with. And she's saying how intellectually, you know, it takes at least three days to know somebody. Uh, well, like how well know somebody? Like know their favorite color, know their turn-ons, know their birthday, their last name. I don't know. But if you, like, really want to know somebody, it's going to take a shit ton longer than three days. Maybe in Rona's case, like, for her to know someone, like, hey, I'm going to sleep with you. Um, I want to know that you've been tested in the last, like, few months. You don't have any STDs or any of that stuff. Okay, so she is seeing a guy, and she's talking about emotionally this guy that she's dating, the way... She'll look at the way he'll eat something disgusting. It's like she's finding, like, whoever she's dating, she's finding the utter worst thing about him to nitpick. They're like, oh, no, I can't, I can't see. I saw this guy ate a chili dog, and I'm like, ugh, I can't be with this dude. Ugh, gross. And then Rona's uh, internal monologue is like, you can't spend the next 60 or 70 years with this guy, can you? Well, first of all, um, they're in their 30s. They're probably mid late 30s uh 60 or 70 years uh, is gonna put you around 90 or 100 um i don't don't know about that maybe spending the next like 40 years with somebody but you can't get to really know someone after only three days so (laughs) yeah rona brings up james how oh molly you and james have been together forever they've been together for what a year I mean, in Rona's eyes, that's that's a, that's forever right there. Okay, so Molly says they've been together for a year and a half. Gotcha. Mo- I love how Molly's got a cloth bag. Uh, oh, Rona, they've been shopping at Macy's, apparently. And she's putting, I'm guessing those are oranges, into a bag. As she's talking about how she hates that James is always trying to undermine Molly in front of Mikey. And Molly goes on to say, you know, I was the one that carried the kid for nine months. I should be lord and emperor of that kid. Yeah, she said, I hate the way James is always telling me how to take care of Mikey. Like, he knows better. So, Molly kind of chalks this up to the fact that James doesn't have a job that he loves. You know, like, we do. We we love what we do. Molly says that she and Rona are pretty lucky. I mean, well, they're accountants. They probably study for a, a good long time to become accountants because that's what they're good at. That's what they... I don't... 
I mean, it's good. You know, you like your job. That's important. <laughs> otherwise, it's <laughs> otherwise, it's just a job for a paycheck. So Molly says, I don't know what to do. And Rona tells, I don't know what to tell you to do. And of course, Molly's hanging out with her ma and her pa. Mom and dad. Mom and pop. <laughs> and, yeah. Her mom, Rosie, has exactly knows exactly what to do. Like, you know what you have to do. You have to take control of the situation. Oh, she's got to badger James some more, though. She's, you can't w sit around waiting for the Schmendrick you married to, you know, get up off his ass and get a job. Yeah, you can't sit around waiting for the Schmendrick you married to get his act together. And Molly, I love how she defends James. She says he is not a Schmendrick. He is a good father. And Molly continues to defend him, saying he works really hard. And her mother, who is prying open um, a bagel, says, you know, that's just the trouble. He works his ass off for nothing. Rosie brings up the fact that Molly's father has an account because, you know, Rosie's an accountant. Her husband's an accountant. He has an account with corporate pilots. And she lets Molly know, like, they earn between thirty and 50000 a year. Fuck. And Molly's, oh, I wish James could get a job like that. And Rosie is smiling, like, we're way ahead of you. We already asked. So Rosie says, all James has to do, call Freddie, tell him how many hours, what kind of planes, things like that. And Molly is so happy. She's like, oh, if James had a job that he really loved and could make money... That would be great for us. And I love how Rosie says, oh, and you have daddy to thank. And Molly's like, daddy. And we see him. He's got some flashcards for Mikey. <laughs> like, this is, what's that say, Mikey? How much is this? One dollar. <laughs> like, hey, Mikey can't, he can't read that. He's like, Grandpa, a card's a card. Why don't we gotta name them all? <laughs> oh, they're just cards with numbers on them. Okay. Because he holds up a six, and you hear Mikey say, six dollar. And he's like, it's a car. Why do you have to name all of them? Ugh. Never too late to get Mikey started on becoming a future accountant. Hammer Julie. I bet anything. I don't know if I could see Mikey wanting to be an accountant, but I think maybe, I don't know, maybe Julie? I don't know. Maybe Mikey. So here's a conversation in bed. James is trying to get information out of Molly saying, hey, what kind of equipment do they fly? So she tells him, I don't know. You'll find out tomorrow. And he's like, he says, at least with my job, I could fly different types of airplanes. And Molly's like, what does it matter? A jet's a jet. And he looks at her like, you don't love flying, so it wouldn't matter to you. So Molly gets a sense that this is more than just about this job opportunity as she says, you know, I don't think this is about flying airplanes, so why don't you just cut to the chase and tell me what this is about. James sits up and he says, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's your mother. And Molly looks at him like, my mother? And he says, you may not mind him, con or mind your mom controlling your life, but I do mind her controlling mine. So it's like, dude, it's... <laughs> They get you this job. I get it. They're always ragging on your ass all the time. But it's like, seriously, I mean, granted, he probably wanted to get the job himself and not with the help of his in-laws, but... And Molly, Molly kind of fires back, but 
they don't control my life. And James is like, then why are you and your brother accountants? And Molly says, because we, we dearly love it. It deals with my two favorite things, numbers and people. And he's like, <laughs> you dearly love being an accountant, really? Oh my gosh. Um, spoiler alert, we're going to meet Molly's brother Stuart in a hot second. And I'm like, this guy's a hot fucking mess. He does not strike me as an accountant of any kind. <laughs> and yeah, he's just on the grape train here. Would just say, oh, you want to know another thing? They also check on my tax return every year just to make me look stupid. So, and she's surprised. Well, you said this was all right. You were fine with this. She's like, yeah, maybe it's not. And she says, fine, don't take the job. I don't care one way or another. It's like, she's the one kind of bringing in the money anyway. Of course, this fight leads to Molly starting to gr- to cry and everything like that. And James now is feeling guilty. Like, oh, shit. So James and Polly's like, honey, I'm sorry. I just, and, and Molly's like, I was just trying to help. And he's like, yeah, I know you were. I know you were helping me. And I got a hand. This is a sweet, she's like, I thought if you did something you really loved, you'd be happier. And it's like, oh, that's, that's just sweet. Which, that's a good reason. It's like, yeah, if he had a job that he really enjoyed, he he wouldn't be, you know, irritated all the time and mis- miserable looking. She's just basically kind of going on about how her parents talked to their friends and, you know, they were just trying to help. <laughs> oh, you hate them. Oh, she is really bawling at this point. She's like, oh, I've always been really nice to your mother. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seriously, you may have words about your in-laws. Like, come on, don't don't beg on your in-laws. <laughs> I'm just feeling so bad now. Oh my, oh, I love James in this moment. He is such a, not just a good father, but he's a good husband. The way he's comforting her, like they had a fight, and he's like, don't worry. I will call Freddie tomorrow and find out. And it's not going to be just because you're crying, okay? I won't promise you anything that I'm going to get it. Oh, what a sweet guy. Of course, they go to kiss and make up. And it's like, okay, sexy times. And there's a knock on the door. Who knows what the fuck time it is at night. I wouldn't be answering it. Like, this better be a fucking emergency. And I better know who's on the other end of that peephole. That's all I got to say. The person is pounding on the fucking door. Like, dude, you didn't think to call first? Really? Most people would do that. And James is, like, going out and, like, turning the light on. I say, who is it? Damn it! I mean, if I had to get up in the morning and you're coming at my place at, like, 2 in the fucking a.m., I am going to kick your fucking ass. It's like, this bet somebody... This better be a hell... I better know who you are, too. Not some random stranger just... It must be some kind of nut. So Molly goes and opens... She looks through the people. She's like... And James is like, what? And she opens the door. And Stuart's like, you know who I hate? And Molly's like, get in here, you. (laughs) And of course, it's early morning. So Stuart, he's on one of his uh, rambling rants. Nut. Casey <gasps> Jones. You know who I hate. Stuart! How you doing? You're back I, in town. I, this I is hate... my brother. This is James. I, I, I hate these damn Orientals, man. They're buying up this whole damn country. Now, I, I, do you know why? 
He's yep. the accountant for Mitsubishi. Not anymore. Not anymore. The way I look at it is Americans have turned themselves into some fat-ass lazy slobs who'd rather sell off their toes than get off their butts and walk half a block. I think I could stay here for a little while until I get Oh, why? You can stay no, here no, as long no. as you want. Oh, I'll make up the couch! Molly. She's like a big Molly. kid again. So apparently Stuart didn't come for the wedding of James and Molly. Because she's like, oh my gosh, you're back in town. This is my brother. This is James. So this is Stuart with his racist bullshit rant going on. And Molly tells James, well, he's the accountant for Mitch- 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 I can't say it. Mitsubishi. <laughs> and of course, he said, oh no, not anymore. So basically, it was a separation of um, he didn't agree with what Mitsubishi was doing. So it's like, y'all can fuck off. I'm going to take my account elsewhere. Which I think, I don't know. If your beliefs clash with, clash with the business that you're doing accountants for, I mean, would you want to sever ties? I mean, even though it's a big company, like, I don't really believe in what they're doing. It's, it's basically, he's calling Mitsubishi, like, sellouts and stuff. So he must have been, was he out of the country? Or, I don't know. Hey, this is what I love about this. I watch this movie so much on VHS, but of course, Sans subtitles. I had no fucking clue who the fuck she was talking to. He works with blah, 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 blah. And... Stuart is just, this is just one of many rants he will go on. He says, Americans have turned themselves into some fat-ass lazy slobs who would rather sell their toes than walk half a block. So he's like, hey, do you think I could stay here for a little while? And Molly and James was right behind Stuart. No. 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 And Molly's like, a little while. You can stay for as long as you want. She's like, ah, I'm making up the couch. And she's like, yes, my baby, my baby brother's home. She's like a big kid again. Like, yeah, sibling time. It was just, uh, James wearing a gray t-shirt and gray sweatpants. And it's just like, ugh. This is going to really get at James because being, you know, you know, Molly's brother and even at the beginning of the movie when he was uh, there with Molly and her parents and he's like speaking of your son Stuart who blah 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 and Molly, uh, not Molly, uh, Rosie's defense, like you don't worry about Stuart. He's got a degree in accounting you don't know jack shit about and it's just like yeah this guy's so oh shit this guy left his fucking job he doesn't have a place to live he's Basically, the fuck, dude? The fuck? Whatever. Whatever. Ugh. It's like, hey, I know my babe, my big sis. She's gonna, she's gonna hook me up with a, with a couch to sleep on until I, uh, get my shit together. What is that? What is that? Is that like, it looks like a, it looks like a double layer cake. Pineapple cake. I can't fucking tell. But Stuart brings in his army duffel. So whether or not he was spent some time, whether it was in Vietnam or wherever, because he's got one of those kit bags, those army green kit bags that he just plops on the table. It's probably got everything he owns in there. So now we got to get back to Mikey and his potty problems. 
because he's like, oh, do I stay or do I pee? Because he's probably still wearing a diaper at this point. At least I would hope he's still wearing a diaper. Mikey, of course, is freaked out about the Mr. Toilet Man eating the pee and the poo. And he's like, oh, should I pee? Should I get up and pee or should I stay here and pee? It's just ugh, such a... He's afraid that that poor... That, that, that Mr. Potty Man is gonna... Toilet Man, whatever, is gonna rip his tush off. So Mikey goes to the bathroom, turns the light on. I love how the toilet seat and even the top of the toilet, the tank of the toilet lid has got like blue fuzzy toilet cover on it. It's really cool looking. So Mikey turns on the light. He's like, eh, it's just an old toilet. Why do I tell Eddie about this? Him and his stupid stories. This Mr. Toilet Man. So Mikey tur goes to turn the light off and he starts walking through back out into the hallway and Mr. Toilet Man comes to life with the eyeballs and the sharp fangs. Uh, yeah, and I get uh, the toilet, Mr. Toilet Man is done by Mel Brooks. He's calling Mikey a little pisher. You have to give me some baby. Poor Mikey's got his hands over his ears. Like, and every single thing that this toilet man, every line, every word, he's spitting up what looks like when you put one of those uh, Clorox tablets in your tank, that blue water. This thing, oh my gosh, he's got eyeballs, it's got a nose, it's got cheekbones, it's got like lips and like two fang teeth. This is creepy. This would scare me as a child. You know, it would probably scare me as an adult, too. Pretty <laughs> water all over the floor! So, yeah, he has a nightmare about Mr. Toilet Man, and he wakes up screaming. Because Mr. Toilet Man's threatening, like, the next time you sit on me, I'm gonna bite off your tushy. Like, damn, dude, it's just a two-year-old. Isn't there, there's, like, a type of, like, toilet thing that, like, goes underneath the seat of the toilet so the kid doesn't fall into the toilet. That was, I remember one of my earlier days when I was probably four and at night and I went to go, you know, go to the bathroom, sit on the toilet and I guess my dad left the seat up because he's a guy. Not all guys do that. I don't think. <laughs> um, but I ended up <laughs> sitting down in the toilet and, you know, yelling for my mom and dad to like, ah! So we see Mikey is sharing a room with Julie, who I'm surprised she didn't wake up to his screaming, but Molly comes in there and she comforts Mikey like any good mother does after her baby has a bad dream. And she's comforting him and hugging him and patting his back and saying, it's just a dream, it's just a dream. Aww. Yeah, you know, sometimes when I have a nightmare, I mean, I don't wake up my husband because he has to get up in the morning and I just, I have the light on for a little bit and I maybe scroll through my phone, just anything to try to get. Because sometimes there will be times I'll like wake up and my, my heart is like pounding because I'm like in the dream and like being chased or something like that. Or I'm trying to escape from someplace. Do you ever have that dream where you're trying to, like, you're get, trying to get away from somebody and no matter how fast you run or how far you think you've gotten away, they're, like, literally right around the corner. Whew. 
So the next morning, we got Julie in her high chair, and she's looking at Stuart, who's on another rant about something, and she's staring at how thick his eyebrows are. Now, Stuart is played by, if you've seen 1990s, if you've seen 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you know Casey Jones with the long hair, well, he, the actor who plays... Stuart here is played by that actor, but he does not have long hair. He's actually, looks like he's dressed up for an interview. He's got a, you know, a nice button-down shirt with a tie. So, I like this observation by Julie. She's like, what's the, what's the deal with eyebrows? I mean, I get mouths, I get eyes and everything, but eyebrows? Because she's watching how... You know, eyebrows are a really good sense of trying to gouge someone's, you know, reaction and and just, like, you can read a lot by someone's eyebrows. And I think that's kind of what she's going based on. I mean, you can tell a lot by people's eyes and, you know, their mouth is also a good indicator. But eyebrows, really, yeah. Arched, furrowed. So Julie's wondering if she'll ever have a set, like... <laughs> her uncle Stewart's. So I'm guessing is this maybe this is a different person who's going to be watching the kids because James got to go off to his job. Stewart's got a job interview. This has got to be the first time Molly's going back to work after having had Julie. She's most likely been on maternity leave for a while, healing and you know raising you know her daughter. Gosh, I'm going to say how old do you think that Julie is here? Maybe a couple months old, maybe three months. She's used to having her mother there all day, every day. And it's like quick enough as a flash, boom, everyone's gone except for the lady who's going to be watching Mikey and Julie. Oh, okay, so I get where she gets this from. Okay. As James says, Molly, I want him out of the house. And Julie latches onto the word out, like, oh, we're going out! We're going out! Great! Oh, we're getting ready to go out! I'm so excited! Of course, James jumps in there, is like, oh, I got your nose! I got your nose! And she's like, oh, daddy, don't take my nose! And I love how James and Molly, like, are literally right in Julie's face. And she, Molly's calling her her little honey bunny, and <laughs> Julie's smiling, like, hey, let's take the Play-Doh with us. I saw something that I'd like to build with you, and all of a sudden, the doors slam shut, and the parents are gone. Everyone's gone, except for Mikey and the babysitter. And you just see Julie kind of scanning the room, and she's like, Mommy, Daddy, where did everybody go? And she starts crying, like, what have I done to deserve this? Mikey comes up, like, hey, Julie, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And she starts crying, hey, you're too little. So Molly and Rona are walking to work, and Molly is regaling Rona with stories of Stuart, how he's so cute and sweet when he was young, but no matter what he did, always get into trouble. Well, that seems like adult Stuart, too, so <laughs> I guess he didn't grow out of it. Molly continued, like, everyone was always screaming at them. They're walking on the, uh, the crosswalk across the street, and this guy is checking Rona out, and she's talking him out to checking him out. So Molly thinks that 
Stuart living with them will be good for him. It would really straighten him out to be part of a loving household. So it looks like it's James's first day driving a plane. <coughs> and Molly, of course, is waiting for him in the car. She's putting on some lipstick. Wants to look good for her man. So James is having to fly these... This rich bitch couple. This guy and lady that are just like... Because he brings their bags and they're complaining as they get off the plane. And he tosses, you know, their bags in the back of a limousine. And the guy's like, oh, where's my briefcase? And James asks, oh, you didn't leave it on the plane? And the guy's like, no, I didn't leave it on the plane. It's like, fuck you, you entitled piece of shit. Granted, he's working for a company that flies these bastard people all around the world. Ugh. We learn more because he's got some grapes for Molly. Ugh. I love how James is like, okay, good night. Have a good night. And shuts the trunk. The guy and la- lady walk away. He's like, dick face. Yeah, I'm a, with you. That guy was dick. I love how when Molly runs up to him, she's like, hi, Albus. He's like, hey, Priscilla. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, adorable. So she asks how to go, and he's got a load of grievances to unload. He's like, which part? The part where they blame me for the turbulence spilling red wine on their clothes? Or the part where they bawled me out for weak coffee? And she's like, oh, honey, you probably just got a couple of creeps. You think? And she's like, yeah, but didn't it feel great up in that jet not worrying about driving the cab? And he's like, yeah, I love this. He just, yeah. I mean, yeah, you get a couple bad assholes once in a while, but, I mean, sometimes you roll with it. Just... Take your aggression out on a punching bag. I don't know. Find a person that will just let you unload all your pissed off feelings. She asked, like, didn't that make it all worthwhile? He's like, yeah, I love flying a Learjet. It's just this beeper lifestyle. The beeper lifestyle, which will 100% come into play in Look Who's Talking Now. He says, basically, like, he's on call all the time. That means we can't plan vacations. And what about the kids? And he's really nice. He's like, what am I, a waiter or am I a pilot? And she's like, okay, other than that, how do you like it? He's like, ugh. <laughs> she's like, did you like it? You liked it, right? He's like, yeah, I liked it. He's like, hey, Jesus, I knew you like Oh, this is sweet. All right, here we go. Looks like Julie is going to try crawling for the first time. Like, All right, I think I'm going to try it. She's kind of rocking back on her on her heels and her, her hands. And Mikey's up on the couch looking down at Julie who's on the floor. He's like, oh, I gotta be honest with myself here. I'm a failure. It's a big brother. And we cut back down to Julie. And she's like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm uh, I'm kidding myself. He's like, oh, I teach her how to crawl and she's bouncing around like a cocker spaniel. (laughs) Alright, looks like she's, uh, she's moving. She's like, I'm going. And Mikey's like, oh, wait, wait a minute now. She's up. She's mobile. She's heading right towards my toys. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, you know, maybe I should, uh, yeah, help her out in this department. I mean, before she does something drastic to, you know, teach her about toys before she does something drastic to one of my toys. <clears throat> so he slides down off the couch. He's like, all right, these are toys, right? And Julie's like, yeah. Like, see, you can tell the difference. Like, some of these are my toys, some of these are your toys. The way you tell the difference is I have all the best toys. And Julie's like, oh, can I see that? Can I see that? (laughs) 
Mikey is putting down her, like, you have all these stupid don't hurt me baby toys. Don't hurt, oh, don't hurt yourself baby toys. And she's, there's this, like, little, like, card that looks like it's got a plastic dome with a bunch of little, you know how those little, those little dome things that got the little balls that when you move it, like, they pop? Kind of like he's got, like, a car-shaped version of this that he's pushing around it. Julie's got her eye on it. Like, can I see that? Can I, can I play with that? <laughs> this is just so funny. And he's like, hey, of course you like it. It's a big boy toy. She's like, but can I see it for a little while? He's like, of course you can't. You can't just jump into a toy like this. Like, grow up, kid. And <laughs> poor Julie looks like she is on the verge of tears again. She's like, oh, he's always so mean to me. <laughs> I love this scene. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah? I'm going. I'm going. She's up. She's mobile. She's moving. She's heading right for my toys. Hmm. Well, maybe I better show her about toys right away before she does something drastic to one of my toys. All right, look, let me show you something now. Come here. These are all toys, right? Yeah. Some of them are mine, some of them are yours. The way you tell the difference oh, is I have all the great toys. Can you I have all see these that? stupid little, you know, Jeez. don't hurt yourself baby toys. I like it. Well, of course you like it. It's a big boy toy. Well, can't I just see it for a little while? You can't have it. What do you think? You can just jump right into a toy like this? <laughs> Grow up, kid. Jeez, he's always so mean to toys. me. I'm a big boy. Look, here's a toy you can play with a Nerf ball. What a ball! Oh, don't cry again. <laughs> so James comes home from working. We got Stuart on the couch. It's dark in the room, and all of a sudden, Stuart, like, ooh, sits up and is like, free scumbag, where's the gun? It's like, the hell? Dude, what the fuck? Like, why do you have a gun in my house? And Stuart's like, it's for protection, it's not loaded. It's like, there are kids here! And Stuart says, it's not loaded. Like, oh, you fucking idiot. He's like, freeze! And he, he apparently launches himself with that gun over the back of the couch. Yeah, and James is like, why do you have a gun in my house? And Stuart's like, well, it's only a 9mm. And he says, there are kids here. And Stuart says, it's not loaded. Dude, this guy is a fucking idiot. Don't give that dumb dumb a fucking gun. I don't give a shit if it's loaded or it's not loaded. He doesn't seem like he's got the mental capacity. He's got the mental capacity of Mikey. Which, I'm not trying to put Mikey down, but dude... Seriously? I get it. He probably, you know, again, the protection. It's not loaded. It's not like he's going to shoot anybody. And James is like, oh, that is such a lame fucking excuse. That people like, I didn't know it was not. I didn't know it was loaded. Like, ugh, fuck off. Yeah, he's like, that is exactly the same stupid thing people say when they accidentally kill someone. I didn't know it was loaded. Stuart, it's like, I swear he's like launch pad from Top Tales. He's so dumb. It's like, oh, you guys are so funny. You always make me laugh. Ugh. So, Stuart's uh, another one of his rants. Like, hey, you stock up your cabinets with bottled water and flashlights. He's like, what do you think's really going to happen when the shit really hits the fan? He's like, like, earthquakes or flash floods or mudslides. And people just blood, like, in horror and just people dying in the street. And, and James is looking at him like, the Fuck. Like, just a lot of chaos and horror, people dying in the streets, and here you are sitting pretty with your bottle of water. 
And the guy next door has got one of these. Who's going to go thirsty? Him or you? And James is like, you're nuts. He's like, think about it. Ugh, you're nuts. You're nuts, Stuart. <laughs> it's like, die. Like, oh, he is a damned weirdo. I swear. I would not want that man living in my house. I don't care if he's my <laughs> identical twin. Paternal twin or whatever. bedroom and he starts like taking off his uniform he's like molly i do not want that maniac around the kids and molly's like well he's their uncle and james is like no he's a maniac he sleeps with a gun and molly's like he does not oh he does too he just tried to shoot me on the way in and molly of course like yelling at stuart stuart do you have a gun in there he's like it's not loaded she looks at him like it's not loaded like ugh. of course she'd side with her brother over her husband honestly if you guys were ever in a position where you had a family member that you just said, you know, you can stay over, don't you think it'd be best to, like, check with your spouse? This should be a spousal decision, not a, sure, you can stay here as, lo as long as you want, I might add. Oh, my God. They just call them Stewball? That's a nickname. <laughs> Those are some big fucking, big poofy pillows with the, you know, the frills on the end. They look really, bleh. He totally takes this out. Like, oh, it's not loaded. Like, ugh, fuck off. <laughs> and James like, forget it. And he turns on his side. And this is where they fight over the over the covers. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like Jeremy and I have been known to do that. It's like, I uh, why is there are the covers way off this side of the bed? And it's like, I need some covers too. And it's like, ugh. Ah. <laughs> uh. So James starts really needling Molly about the fact that why is it when I drink out of a styrofoam cup I get a 20 minute lecture but Travis Bickle moves in with us and a semi-automatic weapon in it with a semi-automatic weapon and it's okay and I'm just thinking when I watched this in 91 or whatever I had no idea who the fuck Travis Bickle was I thought he was the guy on Leave it to Beaver Eddie Haskell I don't know what but no Travis Bickle from Taxi isn't he the one with the gun that's like you talking to me there ain't nobody here so what, what the fuck ever I mean <laughs> so Molly just kind of tells James chill out okay this is New York women carry guns in their purses and she's like, most people probably have them in their nightstands. He's like, just like, look, if a little unloaded gun makes them feel better, and James is like, makes them feel better, maybe climbing a 
a tower and shooting student nurses makes him feel better. It's like, phew. Yeah, it's just, Stuart is just the guy, he's like, he's erratic, he's ranting, he's like, you, no, no, I, yeah, the gun's unloaded, but still, he just, uh, his mental capacity is that of a child. Just, like, he's just, he's a big damn goofball. So they start getting into, uh, a covers <laughs> war here, where... James is pulling it from Molly. Molly's, like, yanking it on fire. There just happens to be some scissors on the nightstand. And James just cuts it right down the middle. Like, <sighs> thank you. She's, like, on the nightstand or something got, like, a sewing kit that's open. It just happened to have a pair of sewing scissors right there. So this is an... <sighs> because... Molly is washing baby Julie in the tub. Mikey's standing there watching. And of course, he doesn't know boys and girls have different parts down there. And he's like, okay, this may be in his, you know, this is all internally. He's not saying this out loud. He's like, okay, this might sound like a stupid question. Because James is actually shaving in the mirror in the bathroom. And... Mikey's like, uh, this might be a stupid question, but, uh, where is Julie's penis? Is it in the tub? Did she break it off? Oh, he says no penis. <laughs> and Molly has to laugh at that. She says, oh, <laughs> it's okay. And to James, she's like, oh, he wants to know why Julie doesn't have a penis. <laughs> and James just looks at her like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so Molly tells him, you have to tell him about girls and boys. And James is like, no, not at this age, honey. It's like, Mikey's two. I get it, he's got questions. And Molly reiterates, like, no, just tell him why we're different. And James is like, no, I told him about the potty bit. So it's like, okay, here you go. So she hands Julie off to James. She pulls, I'm guessing it's like a Time magazine, and just starts flipping pages so he understands... You know, this is a lady, this is a guy, a guy has a penis, a girl does not have a penis, and he seems to get it. Of course, before we get to the whole magazine thing, she explains how Julie is a girl, and that Mikey is a boy. She explains how boys have penises, but girls don't have them because they don't need them. James is he's like, oh, but she's got some set of balls. And she just looks at him like, oh, geez. She's like, but daddy is a big. <laughs> and Mikey's like, penis. It's like, yes, yes. <laughs> I love how James is just like, oh my gosh, this kid. <laughs> oh, it's Tempo magazine, and there's an article on Sly Stallone or Sylvester Stallone. He looks very, this is 1990, guys. This is 30 years ago. He now has got what, gray hair? Completely had a gray hair. So, Mikey's like, a penis. And then she turns the page to Goldie Hawn, and Mikey's like, no penis. And Molly's like, right, see, he understands, he gets it. And, of course, she flips the page, and it's an article on George Bush. And, of course, (laughs) Mikey's like, "Uh, uh, tough call on that one. It's an article that says, the Bush era begins. All right, now we get to Gilbert Godfrey and the baby Jim. Oh, this guy is a damn nut, Mr. Iago, the voice of Iago. And he also played the orphanage 
and whatever the heck you um orphanage boss i guess of problem child and then he played a principal in problem child too so yeah as i said we meet gilbert godfrey he's running this play gym it's very colorful like the nine it's you know what's colorful Molly and James's apartment is extremely colorful, just like this play gem for kiddos. And right away, I mean, Gilbert Godfrey just comes off as the type of, uh, he's given himself his own, he's running his own commentary on whatever comes out of his mouth. He's like, oh my, he, he pops out through one of these... Oh, it's almost like a donut hole that had, it's, like, play, uh, I I can't even think of the word, it's just, like, a round donut tunnel thing that's got another shape in it, and he's pushing it out, and he's like, oh, I'm an idiot, I am so stupid, (laughs) ha ha ha. It's like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. And then these three girls that are on this interesting looking indoor version of a seesaw. And he's talking about having a heart attack. These kids aren't paying attention to him. And he's standing right behind these two girls that are jumping on this trampoline that have a... they have a bar on it where you can you know, like jump up and down, but you're like holding yourself in place. And he's talking about having oh, he's telling these two girls that can't be more than like two and three years old. Oh, and jumping up and down like that, but don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. He's saying a lot of time people just drop dead here. Joey's gym, and he's t- t- telling these toddlers, oh, don't forget to breathe when you're jumping up and down because you're gonna have a heart attack and people just. Flat out, just stop breathing and die. It's like, the hell? Thank goodness these kids are just probably talking about, like, this guy's a weirdo. Don't pay attention to him. I gotta believe this, because this guy, he is just, I would not want my kids around him. Oh, boy, was that stupid or what? It was very stupid. I think I'm going to have a heart attack or something. It's very, you see, as he said, I have a tendency to have a heart attack. You see, you can do that. You just go up and down, but eventually you may have a heart attack. And don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe, because a lot of times people just drop dead here, and you say, and what happened? I forgot to breathe. I want you to breathe. Just jump, jump, jump up and down. Is it just me or is this guy really weird? Yeah, Eddie's mom was like saying to Molly, like, is it just me or is this guy really weird? <laughs> oh, but you see a lot of mothers around, thank goodness, because you gotta have parents around in this situation. This guy is just... He's goofy and weird and he just comes off very odd. We see Mikey and Eddie hanging out. Mikey's checking out the blonde at the monkey bars. Like, hey, look, you can see right up her dress. And Eddie says, oh yeah, man, that's Sheila. We play doctor together. And Mikey's like, what? You play doctor? Where? He's like, over there by that beanbag thing. Oh, see, I gotta make another house call. See you later. He's like, you dog. And Mikey's like, huh. So Eddie doesn't wear a diaper and he's getting all the girls. I should probably 
tried this potty thing. A two-year-old is not a playing doctor. I'm telling you that right now. He doesn't even know what doctor is. Which is probably just as well. But then again, it's the voiceovers. It's for comedy. So Mikey tries jumping up and down in this trampoline thinking that he's just going to be able to wet himself. Okay, mm, well, I don't think... Your bladder's going to let you know when you gotta go. And you clearly don't gotta go. So why are you trying to force it? It's going to happen when it's going to happen. You see in slow-mo, he's jumping up and down saying, I don't have to pee. I don't have to pee. Oh, I do have to pee and I better go somewhere. And he's walking around and he... He is clearly not wearing a diaper then because he messes himself right in the front of his overalls. I'm like, Molly, why are you not having him wear a diaper? He's not potty trained yet. So wants to walk around and piss filled pants all afternoon. I don't. And I can't see those kids wanting that either. They think they cry over all the time when they want a diaper change. Nobody wants to be sitting in piss and nobody wants to be sitting in a pile of shit. He really pissed the front of his pants. And he's like, oh man, that stuff really sneaks up on you. And he smacks himself in the forehead. I love how Mikey's just vegging out on the couch watching a Craft caramel singles, or craft caramel singles, craft caramel commercial. Like, I want a bowl of craft caramel pieces. <laughs> and uh, Julie's like, Yeah, I want that too. And he's like, Ugh, No, you don't. And of course, we see a commercial for wrestling buddies. I don't think I knew anybody that had those. My cousins didn't, my boy cousins didn't have any. No one that I knew at school had any. I mean, remember how great it was? Saturday morning cartoons and toy commercials, especially right around Christmas. I want that! I want that! I want that! My cousins would always do that. WWF Wrestling Buddies. The rough and ready wrestlers from Tonka. This is so fun! It just goes to show, like, the kids, like, that's a way to get advertised. Even a little two-year-old toddler like Mikey will be entranced by all these fun toys. So the Cobra Hammerhead, because this kid's like, the Cobra Hammerhead will sink those Joes. So, G.I. Joe vehicle. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what they're talking about. So Mikey's like, I want a Cobra (laughs) Hammerhead. And Julie's like, I want a Cobra Hammerhead. And of course, Mikey tells her, no, they're for boys. Jeez. Adorable little sibling rivalry here. (laughs) Well, more like... Julie's watching TV. She's in this adorable-looking inflatable ring, uh, bouncy seat thing that you can like walk. She can basically walk while she's in this inflatable ring thing. So James comes home from work. He looks darn good in those sunglasses. Those aviator there. He looks fucking hot. And he's like, hey, Priscilla. And she's like, hi, Elvis. Oh, the Elvis and Priscilla. Adorable. So James has got a gift for Mikey. He's like, ooh, guess what I got you, buddy? And Mikey's like, a cobra hammerhead? And he gets him this little play school toy plane made out of plastic. I love Mikey's just like, oh, man. He's so disappointed. Yeah, James says it's a Lear 24, just like he he flies. And he says, one day I'm going to take you to the airport and you can sit right up here with me. You want to do that? And Mikey shakes it. No. No. 
don't want to do that. All right. Stuart comes home and he's in a ranting rave right now. So, oh, I've never been more insulted. So basically, the job interview didn't go well. So the interview, as Stuart says, it went great. It's for this liberal type organization. Okay. Uh, the rules off the top of my head. I have no idea what the fuck that is. Oh, Molly asks, which one? And Stuart's like, huh, I don't know. Oh, Stuart's like, oh, uh, the American Foundation of Crybabies or some shit like that. You just see James looking at him. I'm surprised Molly's not, like, there are children here. You need to watch your language. Well, Julie isn't going to talk. She's still a baby. But Mikey could be picking up that. But it's like, you see, she's a good mother, but it's like, your brother's spouting off at the mouth. Say, hey, you want to talk? You want to rant? That's fine. But keep it G-rated or PG-rated with my son and daughter in the house. But then again, this is a guy who thinks uh, an unloaded gun is fine with children in the house. So Stuart continues. It's like, okay, so the guy tells me the stir- the, 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 the He tells me the salary and they wanted to kick his ass. Like, who the fuck does he think he's talking to? Well, dude, if it's not good enough for you, then walk the fuck away. So, Molly, <laughs> Molly, like, touches Stuart's face. Like, oh, honey, that's all right. But are you are you hungry? Do you want some food? And he says something about the faster pussycats. He's going to check out that in the village. What is that, a band? Maybe it's banned? I don't know. Is it a strip club? I don't know. Of course, he takes a bite of a sandwich, puts it... We're going to get into this in a minute, because James has got a fucking beef to pick with Molly when... Stuart leaves. Cause he, oh, do you think I could borrow $20? So not only he's sleeping on their couch, and he's flat fucking broke, so he wants to borrow 20 bucks. Mind you, $20 in 1990, probably in New York, can go a little bit fat f- farther than $20 in 2020 in New York. James comes up, and he's like, hey, Stuart, nice jacket. And Stuart says, oh, hey, you mind? I got a date. I'd be like, are you serious? He's borrowing James's clothes? Who gave him permission to do that? Oh, James won't mind. No, he does. I'm taking the, the faster pussycat since he's got a date. It's not a strip club. It's probably a nightclub or it's probably a band that he's taking a, some girl to go see. So, I love how Molly is so like, oh, here, here, here's This is some mad money. Just take it, take it. What the hell is mad? Is that like fun money? Like, oh, here's some fun money. You go on, you have a good time. Don't worry. You you know, you don't got to pay rent. Uh, I make enough money for my husband and I and all our bills. We don't got nothing to worry about. So here you go. Here's your fun, mad money. You go take that and you have fun. So she also, before Stuart heads out the door, she gives him money for the subway. I don't want you to take the subway. There's a lot of weird- weirdos down there. Take a cab, okay? He's like, oh, there's a lot of weirdos there. <laughs> He's got a fistful, a lot of cash. Which, how many people carry cash on them nowadays, 30 days later? Probably not. Oh my gosh, this is interesting. Their cupboards have the, like, the see-through, the glass panes. But they're also, they are fixed with with lights on the inside of the cupboards. That kind of have this little glow in the cupboards. And I'm like, oh, and there's even little hooks for the cups. Oh, that's creative. Oh, I like that. So, yeah, James is ready to unload. As he's like, you know, I don't mind every job interview that he goes on. He gets upset. I mean, it happens for the best of us. 
this is not his first interview that he's had. He's probably been with them for, what, a couple weeks now? Who knows? And he's like, you know, and James has got the fridge door hanging open. He's like, you know, it doesn't really bother me that he takes my clothes without asking. But you want to know what really bothers me? What really ticks me off? And he pulls out a half-eaten sandwich and a glass jar of what looks like juice of some kind. He's like, it's this and this. He's, he drinks everything but a drop and he puts it back. He takes a bite out of a sandwich and puts it back. He reads our ma- magazines and newspapers and hides them before we get a chance to read them. Molly is kind of looking at him like she's been expecting this for a while from James. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll have a talk with him. He's like, no, 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 talk. I want him out of here. And she's like, well, he has no place to go. And James says, well, send him to your mother's house. And she's like, no, they'll kill each other. And James, I get, he says, why do you put him ahead of me? Which, again, if you're married and you got a family member who's maybe down on their luck, you want to help him out, don't just right away, wait, oh, it's fine. My husband or spouse will be fine with it. No, that is a conversation that you have before you let this person into your house. You got to make sure both of you are on board. It's like, fine, he's down on his luck. Give him a a week, two weeks tops. But make sure you have ground rules in place for what they can and cannot do as a house guest in your home. You can't bring an unloaded gun. You can't talk, you know, your potty talk in derogatory terms in front of two kids just because James is like I can even put up with this fascist point of view so he's he's tolerating some things but there are things that he literally has had enough of which if anyone's had a house guest that has really worn out their welcome and really tried their patience you guys could most likely sympathize with what James Molly on the other hand it's her baby brother she's trying to help him out trying to help him get his life sorted out but Stuart is just extremely inconsiderate. So she's saying she doesn't put him ahead of Jane, you know. And he's like, no, you do. So, but this is what I don't agree with with James. As he says, just decide, him or me. It's like, why are you giving her an ultimatum? That That is just wrong in my... I was like, don't give her, like... She's like, you can't... Expect me to choose between my husband and my family? And James says, well, he's still family at your mother's house. And Molly, they're getting really heated. She says, I'm not going to kick him out. And I really hate you for asking me to do that. And he's like, what, you hate me? She says, yeah, I think you're being mean and selfish. And he's like, well, I think you're being inconsiderate and stubborn. (laughs) She comes back with saying... Well, yeah, well, I think you're a big, stupid slob. And he's like, well, I think you're just big and stupid. And she's like, I may be big, but I am not stupid. Oh, my goodness. So Molly basically throws James out. She's like, you just get out of here. And he's like, hey, I pay half the rent here, baby. And she says, well, I pay all the utilities. So she pays the the other half the rent and the utilities. Yeah. You know, if he were to stay and she were to go, she'd be taking those kids with her. So, we can just chalk this up to the another one of their fights, but it's to the point where one of them ends up leaving. 
So James grabs his jacket and he's like, Elvis is leaving the building. Okay, okay, enough with Elvis and Priscilla. (laughs) And we cut from Molly's hurt reaction to Mikey, excuse me, Mikey, who's just realized, like, hey, I don't want him to go. And Julie, of course, is like, what happened? Well, what do you think happened, kiddo? They were fighting and one of them left. So Mikey decides to take his anger uh, of James leaving, Molly basically chasing him away, which is what he's thinking. Like, you chase my daddy away, I'll... He grabs Hermie, or Herbie the penguin, Julie's best friend, and this toddler with talons of steel, I don't know, these fingers, how is he able to get the he- the penguin's head off? I don't know. So we kind of wait, and Julie's like, wait, what are you doing? And we cut back, and the head is off. Clearly, they've just cut it off, and he's pulling the stuffing out of the neck. So it's almost like Mikey is relishing in the, and he's ripping this bird's head off, and it's like, oh, what do you think of your bird now, huh? Let's see if he can fly. And he's he's got the head, and he's pulling the stuffing out of the bottom of, uh, the bird's head where its neck would have been attached. And you just see Julie, she just starts crying. Oh, you creep. You killed my friend. My only friend. I have never been more in trouble. I get up for this job interview this morning, right? Everything is going great. It's for this liberal type organization, right? I don't know. American Foundation of Crybabies or something like shit like that, right? He tells me the salary. I don't want to kick his ass. Who does he think he's talking to, this guy? Honey, you hungry? <laughs> no, I'm going to check out the fast pussy cats in the village. Oh, let it be fun for you. You think I could borrow $20? Sure. Hey, Stuart. Nice jacket. Hey, do you mind? You got a date? I guess not. Okay. Here you are. And then I want you to take this. This is some mad money. Mad money. Love it. And I don't want you to take the subway. So here, take this for the subway. There's a lot of weirdos there. You take a cab. There's a lot of weirdos there? Yeah. <laughs> Where's what I think of your little friend here? Oh, no! Yeah. Yeah. 
Mikey, when Bruce Willis is doing the voice, you see the boy who plays Mikey. I, I said it earlier, you know, his lips are flapping like he's like speaking the lines. And Joey on the words, you creep, you see her like open and shut her mouth. This baby, like trying to line it up with her, blah, 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 blah. and it's just, it's kind of cute. But you know, what I was saying that couples fight mainly about, you know, money. If they got kids, they're fighting about how to raise the kids, you know, their differences. Another one, probably, in-laws and family. Yeah. Another thing, it's just, talk to your spouse first. Make sure that they're on board. I mean, come on now. It just sounds like, especially if it's, if you have a relative who's like Stuart, they're down on their luck, but they're like... Stewart, it's just, I don't know, come on, there's got to be another option for them, but don't have it be for so, have it be like a set amount of time, like yeah, you can stay here for a set amount of time, but any longer than that, I need, you need to have a job, you need to be helping out with the bills and the groceries and everything. Alright, so now we're going into a montage where Molly is on the bed, she's watching all these romantic movies of people, you know, actors and actresses, you know, kissing each other, and she's missing James, while the song by Elvis, Are You Lonesome Tonight, plays. And you can tell as she's, you know, lying in bed watching these movies, her eyes are really glassy, like she's, she's crying and watching these movies. And, of course, for those of you wondering, no, she does not have a flat-screen TV in her room. This is a standard def SDTV from the 90s. It looks like it's maybe about a 19-inch television. It's not humongous. So, we also get Molly by herself. She has the stroller, which is a double stroller because, you know, Mikey's got to be in, in the stroller and Julie also... And it's also loaded down with groceries, so Mikey's holding, like, a bag. She's got the groceries, like, practically. That's why she's holding Julie, because she's got one of those cloth grocery bags in the seat where Julie would be. So she's holding Julie at a vertical angle, angle there. While she's also trying to use her elbow to get the buzzer for the elevator. Mikey's holding this large, long baguette, and he's, like, like holding it and kind of turning it. <laughs> oh, and if this isn't going to kick to the teeth, out comes out of the elevator a father with his, holding his son, and she just is like, oh. We also see Molly at work. We see a picture of her and James and two-year-old Mikey, so it looks like it's a recent picture. And she glances over, and her boss is, like, making, like, googly eyes, like, hey, Ioana. It's like, fuck, this guy's a freak. So in her cubicle, she's also got picture, it looks like a picture of James with, that could be James and baby Julie. I don't know, they're kind of out of focus. 
This guy is disgusting looking with that freaking curly mullet. And he's literally like raising his eyebrows like, hey, how you doing? It's like, ew, you sick fuck. So I guess he must have heard the news around the water cooler that Molly is currently without a husband. So, like, no, don't try to make advances towards her. Ew. We see Molly with a paper bag of groceries, and she's got a head of lettuce on top, which is wrapped in plastic, and she's walking past this con- It looks like they're doing construction on the sidewalk. We see a guy popping out of a manhole, and he's making- so You can't hear it because of the song playing over it, but- He's making, like, cat calls, like, hey, baby, what are you doing tonight type of thing. And he's like, hey, come on, why are you interested? And she, like, throws that head of lettuce at his face. That fucking bastard, sick bastard. Can a lady just walk home without someone cat calling her? Is that not possible? We also see what, I'm guessing this is going to be, you know, because he's a toddler, he's probably going to be taking naps in the afternoon. Because we see Mikey sleeping as Molly is covering him with his blanket. And he's just like, oh, she's such a good mother. She finds a pink airplane, which I guess James is really trying to get Mikey into airplanes. You know, kind of like a, like father, like son. My boy also likes airplanes. I gotta ask this. In the year and a half that James and Molly have been together, has Albert... Has he signed off his has he signed off his parental rights like like I don't want you know I'm not going to give you any child support for him don't ask me about child support I don't want it to be in this kid's life did he sign basically did he sign away his rights cuz I got it I just I kind of wonder and even in the sequel look who's talking now I'm wondering does Mikey know that James is not his biological father. I mean, I know he's six, and it's probably not something that uh, you're going to bring up to your kid when they're six. They may not be able to, like, handle that. I mean, once, like, he gets older, like, yes, unfortunately, you know, James is not your... And so, technically, Julie and Mikey are half-siblings. But then again, I mean, they're siblings to themselves. That's That's... All that matters. And it's all that matters is that James, Mikey sees James as his father. You know, there's, through this montage of Molly watching these old romantic black, they're all mainly black and white films. Some of them were tender kisses. One of them was like one of those, I'm going to shut you up by kissing you, grabbing you roughly. And then the shock on your face type, this one last... Because all of a sudden, the door, there's a knock at the door. And Molly's like, oh my gosh, what time is it? So Molly doesn't even look in the peephole. She's like, oh, who is it? And Rona's like, it's me, Rona. Holy sh- It is New York. Uh, you know, even Molly's comment about women carry guns in their purses. There's one, two, three, four additional locks on top of the- Oh, and there's also a chain at- Well, that can- Counts as one, two, three, four. There's four locks, one of them being a chain lock and then the regular door lock, which is understandable. You don't want anyone coming through that door that doesn't live there or you know the person and you're inviting them in. So now we have 
Rona who's going to stay. Like, hey, do you mind if I stay here for a while? I'm too scared to go back to my apartment. I was robbed. And she's got a garbage bag full of stuff. She's got her makeup in a makeup bag, too. She's probably wearing everything she owns. You know, it's probably also in the garbage bag. And, yeah, I mean, you can imagine. Like, you wouldn't, if you were robbed, it's like, you don't want to go back. Like, I, I don't, you don't want to have anything to do with the place right away. It's like, you feel violated. And Molly's like, yeah, she's a good friend. Yeah, of course you can stay here, sweetie. It's absolutely fine. So Rona recounts the story that she went to go put her key in her door. She saw it was a little open. She opened the door and the whole place was wrecked. And Molly's like, oh my gosh, what'd they get? And Rona's like, everything. A telephone? Are you fucking kidding me? What the hell type of telephone was it? A fancy one? Was it made out of plated gold? Well, they got the stereo, which, of course, these people clearly are going to take it to a pawn shop and, or sell it on the street to get money for whatever. They also got her camera and her, what hurts even more is probably some of this irreplaceable, is her grandfather's watch, his, his pocket watch, which probably has sentimental value. Like, fuck the stereo, you can buy another one. And, and you know, but a sentimental thing that's irreplaceable? Yeah. Custom jewelry also, they got all of that, and she says some of that stuff was really expensive. So I put the subtitles back on because, you know, I need the subtitles. Rona says, but the worst thing is the mess. Everything I own was thrown around. And she was talking about, you know, how I was just thinking of getting organized, and then all of a sudden here comes fucking Stuart, who had been sleeping this time, and he's got his unloaded gun. He's like, oh, freeze! He's like, your sister's there, you dumbass! And her friend! Fucking hell! Take that gun away. I don't give a fuck if it's unloaded. Take that fucking thing. He, mm, he is not in his right mind to be having a gun. He's the last person you want to put a gun in that dude's hands. And Molly just rolls her and says, oh, Stuart, put the gun down. She says, Rona, this is my brother Stuart. And... <laughs> Rona is just like, oh my, well, hello, Molly never said she had a brother, I'm like, bullshit, she brought him up at least twice to you that we've seen, she's wearing a Metallica shirt, my husband loves Metallica, yeah, <laughs> Rona's like, hi, what a surprise, you know, Molly never said she had a brother, and Molly just looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me, I told you about him more than once. So Stuart apologizes, like, oh, sorry for aiming this thing with you. And I love it. like, oh, that's okay. No one was killed. Well, no, they weren't because it was an empty gun. So Molly says, come on, you can stay in my room. She goes to get her makeup and whatever's in that clear bag. It looks like makeup, and, you know, personal, you know, deodorant and shit like that. So she's like, oh, it was nice meeting you. Molly said some wonderful things about you. And Stuart's like, uh, 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 uh. like, okay, Stuart, yeah. Rona, please keep looking. You'll find the right man. Stuart is not that. So I'm guessing this is the entryway of their apartment. They look snazzy fucking um, entryway and just the lounge area. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they are New York. Excuse me. And Molly is an accountant. They make 
fuck, they make fucking bank, I'm telling ya. The big wigs in New York. And, the, wow, wow, it's just, this, this setting is just gorgeous. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever be able to live there, but, uh, <laughs> so, again, we see Molly with the double stroller. We got Mikey, we got Julie, and he's, oh, oh, that's right, because they gotta go and Julie's gotta get her, her booster or whatever baby shots or what. She looks like she's getting almost close to a year, but... Mikey and Julie are like, hey, move, this is my side. Get your arm away. Get on your side. Again, I got to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the subtitles because it's catching things that, like I said, I've watched this movie a bunch growing, you know, since I was like maybe 11, 12 years old. I don't know. But I could never understand what the fuck this kid with the white, blonde-haired kid with the sunglasses because Mikey's like, oh, what's up with you? You afraid you're going to get re- recognized? And the kid pulls the glasses down. He's like, whoa, bitchin' wheels. See, I never understood what the fuck. I, I couldn't have gotten bitchin' wheels from previous viewing. No way in hell. Like, blah, 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 blah. like what? What do you say? So thank you for the clarification subtitles. Such a blessing. I got, I want to play. This is just, I love Mikey and Julie just being adorable siblings. Just like, mom, you're in my space. Get out of my way. They're both waiting for the uh, elevator, it looks like. Look, I'm not going to tell you again. You move. <coughs> no, you shove over. This is my Get side. Get your arm away. Get over on your side. <laughs> what, are you afraid you're going to get recognized? Bitchin' <laughs> wheels. Yeah, it is, except I got a ride besides her. Get your baby literally sounds like a cross between a California surfer dude and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <coughs> because, gosh, trying to think, have we had Mikey interacting with an other than Eddie? Because Eddie's, you know, his friend. Other, outside of Eddie, have we seen Mikey interact with another kid yet? No, because... Remember when um, he, in the first movie, with his babysitter, were going down the street in the stroller and he's saying hey to the, you know, the girl babies. And like, hey, how's it going? Oh, hey, babe, how you doing? And all this stuff. So, (laughs) yeah. It almost also made it sound like the guy doing the blonde-haired surfer Arnold impression also sounded like he was a smidge of a stoner. So it's like, oh, no! So, yeah, looks like Julie's got to get a shot, you know, baby shots. you got to get those vats in. And Molly is just entertaining Julie, like, oh, my gosh, Mommy is so funny. Look at She's taking her hand and making it look like a duck. <laughs> and, well, at least it's nice to see Julie laughing instead of crying or just like, you know, with a mean face. So we see Mikey saying like, oh, you are in for it. (laughs) I hope they don't stick at me with anything today. Well, 
they're here for Julie. So we do know Julie is a year old because the doctor says, well, she'll be a little knocked out from the shot. So <laughs> no driving or operating heavy machinery. And Julie's like, I'm only one, and I know that's not funny. And then she looks down because he's poking her with the needle. I don't think he is. He's probably going back, you know, the actor's going behind. Anyway, she's like, oh, what's that? And then she's like, that poke registers. Like, it took a second to get to her brain, and it's just like, oh, my God. And Mikey's like, smarts does it? Hurts just a little? He's relishing this. Oh, and she's kind of like, will this pain ever go away? It's like, eventually it will. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Oh, Mikey. Oh, because she looks down at the needle, like, going into her arm. And then she's like, oh, what's that? And Mikey's like, oh, God, I can't watch this part. As Julie, like, it, it gets a second to her brain. And she's like, <laughs> oh, my God. You can even tell the baby who's playing Julie is already getting some bottom teeth. Which I imagine by one you might have a couple tooths in there in your head. I don't know. And we get to see Julie walk, taking her first steps. This is so cute. I think we kind of missed this with Mikey. With Well, didn't we? Kind of, sort of. Might have been caught in a montage. So she ends up falling it, which babies do when they're learning how to walk. They are going to stumble. They are going to fall because, you know, their legs are just... Kind of, you know, trying to get him to go in the right direction and stay stable and not be so wobbly. Of course, she falls and, oh, my tush hurts. She sees Herbie or Hermie or whatever the hell that adorable looking, well, he's just ahead now. Because it's got the stuff in, oh, hey, my friend's back. And then she picks him up and she's like, oh, I remember. He killed my friend. And then she says, as God is my witness. I am going to learn how to walk and get the hell out of here. So is the squeaker in the head? Because when she reaches for it, it goes squeak, squeak. When she says, he killed my friend, it looks like she's about ready to cry. Because she's got that bottom lip all. <laughs> but she tucks it back in. It's like she's got this fierce, this baby. He's got this fierce determination. Like, mm. This is a, a, a adorable rea It just looks like it's like she wants to cry, but she's like trying to like hold it back and and keep it in. Oh, here we go. James with Mikey and uh, Julie, and of course <laughs> he can probably only really carry one kid at a time because Mikey is walking like. Hey, Dad, why don't you carry me around for once instead of her? And she always, like, bite my teething ring. <laughs> that chance. Those are the only two fucking movies that are playing Schwarzenegger and Betty Boop, which I I don't know if I brought this up on a podcast episode in the past, but I have a severe hatred, anger issue with Betty Boop. Don't ask me why, because I don't quite understand it myself, but it's been... For years and years, I think it's just, just the look of her and just the boop, 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 I don't, don't get me started because I just, I can't. And James is like, oh, tough call. They're both really built and they both talk funny. I love how he's doing an Arnold impression and Mikey like, what would Arnold say if he were here? Do it. Go see my movie. Like, do it. Why don't you do it? You are here. See my movie. 
It's like, oh, no, Arnold, I'm sorry. I think they're a little too young. Yeah, he says we're too young. Come on. So he takes them in. I love... This is James from the first movie with... <laughs> he's bringing it back with this... You call it kind of scamish. Because he grabs a popcorn bucket that's empty and he comes around to the side of where the concession stand is. He's like, oh, oh dang. Sorry. Oh, no, to get into the theater, he takes Julie's, so it's two scams in, in, at the same place. Takes Julie's shoe off, puts it in his pocket, and says, and he kind of, like, leans back to show the usher there, whoever's standing outside the theater, like, my kid lost her shoe, can we go get it? And then he grabs the popcorn, empty popcorn bucket, and then he's like, oh, uh, my kids, they dropped the popcorn bucket all over the floor. Can we uh, get a refill? And the kids start whining on purpose. Like, oh yeah, we can get into this. Yeah. Well, what would Arnold say if he were here? He'd say, do it. Why don't you do it? You are here. See my movie. I don't know, Arnold. I think they're a little young for your movie, don't you? Yeah, he says we're too young. All right. Come on, man. Don't tell me you're going to pull that. Sir, my kid left her shoe inside. Can I go get it, gang? Well, he's clearly probably done this before. He's not gonna go for it. Sir, my kid left her shoe inside. Can we get it? Thanks. Okay. I guess he went for it. Total recall. I hear. Remember your obnoxious routine, okay? Remember it? I live for it. Say popcorn, popcorn. Can I help you? Yeah, the kid's definitely looks like I've seen him in something. Alright, calm down. Just a minute. Hey, I can be obnoxious too. <laughs> oh, oh my. He was like, yeah, let me just get it for you. Just go. <laughs> Alright, thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay. Always works. Sweet. I love how James is making like he's trying to go for his wallet. <laughs> Even though the guy just like fills up the button. He's like, just, just, just go, please. Because... <laughs> James says Mikey do his popcorn. Say popcorn. Say popcorn. Say popcorn. Popcorn. And <laughs> well, how Julie gets in on like I can be obnoxious too. <laughs> and this is a sweet scene with James with the kids on the park bench as he says, "Now look, you guys. You know I'll be home soon. It's just this thing with your mom and everything." So he kind of said he doesn't really like. Molly bossing him around like if she keeps doing this I'll never be a good dad right wow Julie they must have gotten ice cream because Julie's face is covered in ch chocolate and the front of her outfit is just covered in chocolate you should have brought a bib should have brought a bib and he explains to you I know that ice cream doesn't make up for me not being home and we see Julie like yeah but it's a good start <laughs> Like, with the babies, with the mouse, how they insert the words, it almost does look like their tongue, which makes me think of, you know, liking, you know, kids to, you know, dogs in, in Homeward Bound, how they were doing that with the dogs, kind of, you know, kind of get it to match. Mikey, face full of chocolate ice cream, his hands are all messed, the front of his shirt, it's just like, oh man, do you not bring wipes? At least bring wipes.
But this is me. This is someone who, if I had a kid, I probably would be planning ahead. Like, okay, we're going out. Let's make sure we got some wipes. Oh, we're going to go somewhere to eat. Let's make sure we bring a bib and all that stuff. Aww. And I love he's He's got Julie next to him in the little car seat. And then he's got Mikey kind of sitting on his lap. And James is just getting, you know, worked up and emotional. He's like, oh, I miss you kids so much. I'm going to play this in a minute, but you'll listen when James says, I miss you kids so much, and he goes to give Mikey a kiss. I've never noticed this before. The boy who plays Mikey is like, yeah. And it, it, it's sad. You know, he feels like he's letting them down. He's like, please don't be mad at me, whatever she says. And he is crying. And she's like, oh, James, you're a good dad. Your kids love you. And he tells them, like, I mean, they are young. They're not going to remember this conversation. He's like, remember, this has nothing to do with you guys, okay? It's, all right? It's it's not your fault, and it's not your fault. And I love how Mikey and Julie get into a pointing match. Like, I think it is his fault. No, it's your fault. And he kind of, I like how he, like, turns to look at them like that. Like, his kids are having a conversation that he's not a part of. Yeah, Julie's like, I think it is his fault. And Mikey's like, I think it's your fault. And she's like, well, me, you're the bad one. <laughs> and Mikey tur- um, turns to hug James. As James-, James is like, oh, I miss you so much. You miss me? He's like, yeah. And you just see Julie over there like, like ugh. Man, bonding makes me sick. Look, you guys, you know I'll be home soon. That's just your mother. If she doesn't stop bossing me around, I'll never be a good dad. Right? I know that ice cream doesn't make up for me not being home. Yeah, well, you know, but it's a good start. I miss you kids so much. Please don't be mad at me if she, whatever she says, okay? Mm-hmm. And remember, this has nothing to do with you guys, alright? It's not your fault, and it's not your fault. I think it is his fault. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's your fault. Me? You're the bad one. I miss you so much. Alright, so now we're going into a montage where Molly is on the bed. She's watching all these romantic movies of people, you know, actors and actresses, you know, kissing each other. And she's missing James. While the song by Elvis... Are You Lonesome Tonight plays. And you can tell as she's, you know, lying in bed watching these movies. Her eyes are really glassy, like she's she's crying and watching these movies. And, of course, for those of you wondering, no, she does not have a flat screen TV in her room. This is a standard def SDTV from the 90s. It looks like it's maybe about a 19-inch television. It's not humongous. So... We also get Molly by herself. She has the stroller, which is a double stroller because, you know, Mikey's got to be in in the stroller and Julie also. And it's also loaded down with groceries, so Mikey's holding, like, a bag. She's got the groceries, like, practically. That's why she's holding Julie because she's got one of those cloth grocery bags in the seat where Julie would be. So she's holding Julie at a vertical angle angle there while she's also trying to use her elbow to get the buzzer for the elevator. Mikey's holding this large long baguette and he's like like 
holding it and kind of turning it. <laughs> oh, and if this isn't going to kick to the teeth, out comes out of the elevator a father with his holding his son. And she just is like, oh. We also see Molly at work. We see a picture of her and James and two-year-old Mikey. So it looks like it's a recent picture. And she glances over and her boss is like making like googly eyes like hey you wanna it's like the fuck this guy's a freak so in her cubicle she's also got picture it looks like a picture of james with that could be james and baby julie i don't know they're kind of out of focus this guy is disgusting looking with that freaking curly mullet and he's literally like raising his eyebrows like hey how you doing it's like ew you sick fuck so i guess he must have heard the news around the water cooler that molly is currently without a husband so like no don't try to make advances towards her ew we see molly with a paper bag of groceries and she's got a head of lettuce on top which is wrapped in plastic and she's walking past this con it looks like they're doing construction on the sidewalk we see a guy popping out of a manhole and he's making so you can't hear it because of the song playing over it but he's making like cat calls like hey baby what are you doing tonight type of thing and he's like hey come on why aren't you interested and she like throws that head of lettuce at his face a fucking fast sick bastard can a lady just walk home without someone cat calling her is that not possible we also see what i'm guessing this is going to be you know because he's a toddler he's probably going to be taking naps in the afternoon because we see mikey sleeping as molly is covering him with his blanket and it's just like oh she's such a good mother she finds a pink airplane which i guess james is really trying to get mikey into airplanes you know kind of like a like father like son my boy also likes airplanes i gotta ask this in the year and a half that james and molly have been together has albert has he signed off his has he signed off his parental rights like like I don't want you know I'm not gonna give you any child support for him don't ask me about child support I don't want it to be in this kid's life did he sign basically did he sign away his rights because I got it I just I kind of wonder and even in the sequel look who's talking now I'm wondering does Mikey know? that James was not his biological father. I mean, I know he's six, and it's probably not something that uh, you're going to bring up to your kid when they're six. They may not be able to, like, handle that. I mean, once Mikey gets older, like, yes, unfortunately, you know, James is not your... And so technically, Julie and Mikey are half-siblings. But then again, I mean, they're siblings to themselves. That's That's all that matters and it's all that matters is that james mikey sees james as his father you know there's through this montage of molly watching these old romantic black they're all mainly black and white films some of them were tender kisses one of them was like one of those i'm gonna shut you up by kissing you grabbing you roughly and then the shock on your face type this one last 
Because all of a sudden, the door, there's a knock at the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, what time is it? So Molly doesn't even look in the peephole. She's like, oh, who is it? And Rona's like, it's me, Rona. Holy sh- It is New York. Uh, you know, even Molly's comment about women carry guns in their purses. There's one, two, three... Four additional locks on top of the... Oh, and there's also a chain. Well, that counts as one, two, three, four. There's four locks, one of them being a chain lock, and then the regular door lock, which is understandable. You don't want anyone coming through that door that doesn't live there. Or you know the person, and you're inviting them in. So now we have Rona, who's going to stay. Like, hey, do you mind if I stay here for a while? I'm too scared to go back to my apartment. I was robbed. And she's got a garbage bag full of stuff. She's got her makeup in a makeup bag, too. She's probably wearing everything she owns. You know, it's probably also in the garbage bag. And, yeah, I mean, you can imagine. Like, you wouldn't, if you were robbed, it's like, you don't want to go back. Like, I, I don't, you don't want to have anything to do with the place right away. It's like, you feel violated. And Molly's like, yeah, she's a good friend. Like, of course you can stay here, sweetie. It's absolutely fine. So Rona recounts the story that she went to go put her key in her door. She saw it was a little open. She opened the door and the whole place was wrecked. And Molly's like, oh my gosh, what'd they get? And Rona's like, everything. A telephone? Are you fucking kidding me? What the hell type of telephone was it? A fancy one? Was it made out of plated gold? Well, they got the stereo, which, of course, these people clearly are going to take it to a pawn shop and, or sell it on the street to get money for whatever. They also got her camera, and her. what hurts even more is probably some of this irreplaceable is her grandfather's watch, his, his pocket watch, which probably has sentimental value. Like, fuck the stereo, you can buy another one. And, and you know, but a sentimental thing that's irreplaceable? Yeah. Custom jewelry also, they got all of that, and she says some of that stuff was really expensive. So I put the subtitles back on because, you know, I need the subtitles. Rona says, but the worst thing is the mess. Everything I own was thrown around. And she was talking about, you know, how I was just thinking of getting organized. And then all of a sudden, here comes fucking Stuart, who had been sleeping this time, and he's got his unloaded gun. He's like, oh, freeze! He's like... Your sister's there, you dumbass! And her friend! Fucking hell! Take that gun away. I don't give a fuck if it's unloaded. Take that fucking thing. He, mm, he is not in his right mind to be having a gun. He's the last person you want to put a gun in that dude's hands. And Molly just rolls her eyes like, oh, Stuart, put the gun down. She says, Rona, this is my brother Stuart. And... <laughs> Rona is just like, oh my, well, hello, Molly never said she had a brother, I'm like, bullshit, she's brought him up at least twice to you that we've seen, she's wearing a Metallica shirt, my husband loves Metallica, yeah, <laughs> Rona's like, hi, what a surprise, you know, Molly never said she had a brother, and Molly just looked at her like, are you fucking kidding me, I told you about him more than once. So Stuart apologizes, like, oh, sorry for aiming this thing with you. And I love <laughs> like, oh, that's okay. No one was killed. Well, <laughs> no, they weren't because it was an empty gun. So Molly says, come on, you can stay in my room. She goes to get her makeup and whatever's in that clear bag. It looks like makeup and 
you know, personal, you know, deodorant and shit like that. So she's like, oh, it was nice meeting you. Molly said some wonderful things about you. And Stuart's like, uh, 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 uh. like, okay, Stuart, yeah. Rona, please keep looking. You'll find the right man. Stuart is not that. So I'm guessing this is the entryway of their apartment. They look snazzy fucking um, entryway and just the lounge area. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they are New York. Excuse me. And Molly is an accountant. They make fuck. They make fucking bank. I'm telling you. The big wigs in New York. And the, wow, wow. Just this. This setting is just gorgeous. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever be able to live there. But uh, <laughs> so. Again, we see Molly with the double stroller. We got Mikey, we got Julie, and he's... Oh, oh, that's right, because they got to go and... Julie's got to get her, her booster or whatever baby shots or what. She looks like she's getting almost close to a year. But Mikey and Julie are like, Hey, Mom, this is my side. Get your arm away. Get on your side. Ew. I, again, I gotta say thank you, thank you, thank you to the subtitles because it's catching things that, like I said, I've watched this movie a bunch growing, you know, since I was like maybe 11, 12 years old. I don't know. But I could never understand what the fuck this kid with the white, blonde-haired kid with the sunglasses. Because Mikey's like, oh, what's up with you? You afraid you're going to get re recognized? And the kid pulls the glasses down. He's like, whoa. Bitchin' Wheels. See, I never understood what the fuck... I, I couldn't have gotten Bitchin' Wheels from previous viewing. No way in hell. Blah, 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 blah. Like, what? What do you say? So, thank you for the clarification subtitles. Such a blessing. I, I want to play. This is just... I love Mikey and Julie just being adorable siblings. Just like, Mom, you're in my space! Get out of my way! They're both waiting for the... Uh, Elevator, it looks like. Look, I'm not gonna tell you again. You <coughs> no, you shove over. This is my get side. Get away. Get over on your side. <laughs> what, are you afraid you're gonna get recognized? Bitchin' <laughs> wheels. Yeah, it is, Why except I gotta ride besides her. Here, buzz off. Here, get your finger out of my eye. You got a sister? <clears throat> so much the better for you. Your mom tells them to be good. They don't. They just poke you in the eye. Worse, they suck. Hey, man, try and stay with me, all right, when I'm talking to you. What I'm saying is, your parents completely forget about you. No, dude. Don't say that. Yeah, well, the way it's going. Uh, See you later. I gotta fail, dude. Whoever that got voice in this baby literally sounds like a cross between a California surfer dude and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because, <laughs> <laughs> gosh. Trying to think, have we had Mikey interacting with an other than Eddie? Because Eddie's, you know, his friend. Other outside of Eddie, have we seen Mikey interact with another kid yet? No, because remember when um he in the first movie with his babysitter were going down the street in the stroller and he's saying hey to the, you know, the girl babies and like hey how's it going oh hey babe how you doing and all this stuff so <laughs> yeah. It almost also made it sound like the guy doing the blonde-haired 
Surfer Arnold impression also sounded like he was a smidge of a stoner. So it's like, oh, no! So yeah, looks like Julie's got to get a shot. You know, the baby shots. You got to get those vaccines in. And Molly is just entertaining Julie, like, oh my gosh, Mommy is so funny, and look at she's taking her hand and making it look like a duck. <laughs> and, well, at least it's nice to see Julie laughing instead of crying or just like, you know, with a mean face. So we see Mikey saying like, oh, you are in for it. <laughs> I hope they don't stick at me with anything today. Well, they're here for Julie. So we do know Julie is a year old because the doctor says, well, she'll be a little knocked out from the shot. So <laughs> no driving or operating heavy machinery. And Julie's like, I'm only one and I know that's not funny. And then she looks down because he's poking her with the needle. I don't think he is. He's probably going back, you know, the actor's going behind. Anyway, she's like, oh, what's that? And then she's like, that poke registers. Like it took a second to get to her brain, and it's just like, oh my god! And Mikey's like, smarts does it? Hurts just a little? He's relishing this! Oh! And she's kind of like, will this pain ever go away? It's like, eventually it will. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Oh, Mikey. Oh, cause she looks down at the needle like going into her arm, and then she's like, oh, what's that? And Mikey's like, oh god, I can't watch this part. As Julie, like, gets a second to her brain, and she's like, <laughs> oh my god. You can even tell the baby who's playing Julie is already getting some bottom teeth. Which I imagine by one, you might have a couple tooths in there in your head. I don't know. And we get to see Julie walk, taking her first steps. This is so cute. I think we kind of missed this with Mikey. With, well, didn't we? Kind of, sort of. Might have been caught in a montage. So, she ends up falling it, which babies do when they're learning how to walk. They are going to stumble. They are going to fall because, you know, their legs are just kind of, you know, trying to get them to go in the right direction and stay stable and not be so wobbly. Of course, she falls and, oh, my tush hurts. She sees Herbie or Hermie or whatever the hell that adorable looking, well, he's just ahead now. Because it's got this stuff. And, oh, hey, my friend's back. And then she picks him up. And she's like, oh, I remember. He killed my friend. And then she says, as God is my witness, I am going to learn how to walk and get the hell out of here. So is the squeaker in the head? Because when she reaches for it, it goes, squeak, squeak. When she says... He killed my friend. It looks like she's about ready to cry because she's got that bottom lip ball. <laughs> but she tucks it back in. It's like she's got this fierce, this baby. He's got this fierce determination. Like, mm. this is such an, this is an adorable reaction. It just looks like it's like she wants to cry, but she's like trying to like hold it back and, and keep it in. Oh, here we go. James with Mikey and, uh, Julie, and of course, <laughs> he can probably only really carry one kid at a time, because Mikey is walking like, hey, Dad, why don't you carry me around for once instead of her? And Julie's like, bite my teething ring. <laughs> that chance. 
Those are the only two fucking movies that are playing. Schwarzenegger and Betty Boop, which I I don't know if I brought this up on a podcast episode in the past, but I have a severe hatred, anger issue with Betty Boop. Don't ask me why, because I don't quite understand it myself, but it's been for years and years. I think it's just, just the look of her and just the boop, 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 boop. I don't, don't get me started because I just, I can't. And James is like, oh, tough call. They're both really built and they both talk funny. I love how he's doing an Arnold impression to Mikey. Like, what would Arnold say if he were here? Do it. Go see my movie. Like, do it. Why don't you do it? You are here. See my movie. It's like, oh, no, Arnold, I'm sorry. I think they're a little too young. Yeah, he says we're too young. Come on. So he takes them in. I love... This is James from the first movie with... (laughs) He's bringing it back with this... You call it kind of scamish. Because he grabs a popcorn bucket that's empty and he comes around to the side of where the concession stand is. He's like, oh, oh, dang. Sorry. Oh, no, to get into the theater, he takes Julie's... So it's two scams in, in at the same place. Takes Julie's shoe off, puts it in his pocket, and says... And he kind of, like, leans back to show the usher there, whoever's standing outside the theater, like, my kid lost her shoe, can we go get it? And then he grabs the popcorn, empty popcorn bucket, and then he's like, oh, uh, my kids, they dropped the popcorn bucket all over the floor. Can we uh, get a refill? And the kids start whining on purpose. Like, oh yeah, we can get into this. Yeah. Well, really built, but like fills up the bottom he's like just 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 go please because <laughs> James has Mikey do his popcorn say popcorn say popcorn say popcorn popcorn and <laughs> well Julie gets in on like I can be obnoxious too <laughs> and this is a sweet scene with James with the kids on the park bench as he says now look, you guys, you know I'll be home soon. It's just this thing with your mom and everything. So he kind of said, he doesn't really like Molly bossing him around. Like, if she keeps doing this, I'll never be a good dad, right? Wow, Julie, they must have gotten ice cream because Julie's face is covered in ch- chocolate and the front of her 
outfit is just covered in shit. You should have brought a bib. Should have brought a bib. And he explains, you know, I know that ice cream doesn't make up for me not being home. And we see Julie, like, yeah, but it's a good start. <laughs> it kind of, I do, like, with the babies, with the moms, how they insert the words. It almost does look like their tongue, which makes me think of, you know, liking, you know, kids to, you know, dogs in, in Homeward Bound, how they were doing that with the dogs kind of, you know, kind of get it to match. Mikey face full of chocolate ice cream. His hands are all messed the front of his shirt. It's just like, oh man, do you not bring wipes? We bring wipes. But this is me. This is someone who if I had a kid I probably would be planning ahead like, okay, we're going out, let's make sure we got some wipes. Oh, we're gonna go somewhere to eat. Let's make sure we bring a bib and all that stuff. Aw and I love he's he's got Julie next to him in the little car seat, and then he's got Mikey kind of sitting on his lap, and James is just getting, you know, worked up and emotional, he's like, oh, I miss you kids so much. I'm going to play this in a minute, but you know, listen when James says, I miss you kids so much, and he goes to give Mikey a kiss. I've never noticed this before. The boy who plays Mikey is like, yeah. And it, it, it's sad, you know, he feels like he's letting them down. He's like, please don't be mad at me, whatever she says. And he is crying. And it's like, oh, James, you're a good dad. Your kids love you. And he tells them, like, I mean, they are young. They're not going to remember this conversation. He's like, remember this it has nothing to do with you guys, okay? It's all right. It's, it's not your fault and it's not your fault. And I love how... Mikey and Julie get into a pointing match, like, I think it is his fault. No, it's your fault. And he kind of, I like how he, like, turns to look at them, like, what? Like, his kids are having a conversation that he's not a part of. <laughs> yeah, Julie's like, I think it is his fault. And Mikey's like, I think it's your fault. And she's like, well, me, you're the bad one. <laughs> and Mikey turn, um, turns to hug James as James and James is like, Oh, I miss you so much. You miss me. He's like, Yeah. And you just see Julie over there like like, Ugh, man, bonding makes me sick. Look, you guys, you know I'll be home soon. That's just your mother. If she doesn't stop bossing me around, I'll never be a good dad. Right? I know that ice cream doesn't make up for me not being home. Yeah, well, you know, but it's a good start. I miss you kids so much. So Eddie's mom is there, asks Molly if she's doing alright, and Molly's like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just waiting for James to get here to take Mikey so I can go to work already. I love how when Gilbert Godfrey steps into the picture, Molly has just got this irritated, furrowed brow look on her face as this guy's like, hey, you little brat, let go of her head. Ugh, this guy needs to find something else to do because he's trying to get the kids all together and get them in a circle. No kids are listening. Oh, the one adult is like waving like, come on, bring the kids over, bring the kids over. <laughs> and <laughs> Joey's like, come on, get over here, get over here, get in the circle, get in the circle. Who the hell who am I talking to here? 
Nobody, clearly. Alright, so I think this is the last time we will see Eddie and Mikey together, or even just see Eddie on screen. Mikey just wants to do a dry run of, alright, remind me of this potty thing again. How does this go? And Eddie says, you have to control the situation, talk to your bladder, basically, and tell it, you're not coming out until you until I say you can come out. And Mikey's like, oh, and the PP just listens to you? And he says, well, so yeah, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. That's what grown-ups are for, apparently. Like, oh, if you mess in your pants, the grown-up will take care of it. James comes in and he picks up somebody's kid. Not Mikey, of course. Like, hey, buddy, how you doing? It's like, okay... If this were 2020, that would not be happening. Actually, no, let's just say if this were 2019, because 2020 is just a blip right now. It's just, yeah, we all want to be over with this year. But you would not be just grabbing a random kid, picking him up, and carrying him over to where Joey Gilbert Godfrey is. Okay, I think Joey's being a bit offensive. He's saying like, oh, come on, get in the circle, get in the circle. Indians dance in a circle, which we don't call them that. We call them Native Americans. And he's telling to James, like, help me out here, help me out. And he's saying Jews and Italians all dance in circles. Okay, you gotta stop being offensive. This is offensive. Stop stereotyping. So apparently, Joey's familiar with James. James must come around every once in a while and they're cool with each other. It's like, hey, do that step we do. He's getting all the kids in the circle. They're all dancing and bing, bang, boom. What comes on the radio but Elvis? Elvis again. All shook up. <laughs> and I love how he leads the kids with the dancing and everything like that. And everyone's, and all the parents are like, oh, this guy's really good with kids. He's getting them to uh, behave and not be out of control. It's like another little montage. And then we'll have another montage. This movie's filled with montages. It eats up a lot of screen time. Love how James reacts when Elvis is like, Elvis, Elvis, my man, and he and Joey are like double slapped high fives. I love how we cut to Molly's expression, even though she's rolling her eyes, like, oh, my husband, <laughs> he's so good with kids. And Gilbert Godfrey went, damn, stand, stamina, slap you. Like, what the fuck? This guy's place gets closed down. I can only imagine. I bet it does. So there's this little kitty bridge that James is like uh he's dancing on and walking and the kids are all following like in a single line behind him it's kind of interesting to think that these kids here that are probably between the ages of like two and four are all over 30 of this year wow think about it if Mikey's two then that means when this came out I was six years older than him so James pokes his head into this little uh, playhouse thing and Mikey's there with one of these like toy hammers that you, you know, bonk on the head and it's just like, uh, call Mikey's calling him a show off. So I can, I, I can definitely see why in the first movie he had a dance sequence with, you know, Molly, Kirstie Elliott. But of course in this movie, this dance sequence it feels a lot longer and it's just he's really getting to show his moves and <laughs> uh he I gotta say he does definitely look good in a black jacket, suit jacket with a a 
purplish lavender colored t-shirt underneath. I mean, it goes with the, uh, the, the color scheme of the whole movie. It's just everything is just this play house thing is just the bricks are colored. The inflatable shape thing, you know, that are probably like the same type of material as gym mats or just everything's just colors, colors, colors. And it seems like Gilbert Gottfried is just not winging it, but he's just ab-libbing throughout the whole thing. Oh, jeez, I'm having a stoke. It's like, ugh. I don't know. I really think that this movie could have done without Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> uh, he just comes off weird and creepy. Especially when he, he's supposed to be the one that's running this play gym. It's the way that he's talking to the kids. Like, shut up, I'll slap you. Is it just me or there? Most of these kids are all girls. There's barely any boys there except for Mikey, Eddie, and maybe a couple other standalones. I love how when James slides down that fireman pole thing and Mikey puts his arms up like, Hey, Elvis, I'm your kid, not them. And James takes Mikey and, you know, they go off. He's like, oh, hey, Molly. Just kind of gives her, like, the nod. Like, hey, hey, Molly. And leaves. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, he does say, see you later. Okay, well, two cents. Two small, you know, five words to her. So Molly's now in the mirror in her bedroom. Kind of like a, a makeup, dressing table, whatever situation she's got going on. And she's like, oh, he hardly ever speaks to me. He acts like I don't exist. And she's like, gosh, am I losing it? Like, what is it about me that keeps turning him away. Like, why isn't he noticing me? It's like, technically, she probably thought, you know, we get into an argument, he leaves, and then eventually he'll come to his senses and come back. But it just seems like he is just fine with staying on his sister's couch and just picking up the kids every once in a while for a couple hours. She's kind of looking like, hey, am I getting crow's feet? Am I getting wrinkles? Just like... She thinks that there's physically something like she's getting older or something that is a turn off for James. I thought they were around the same age. So, <laughs> Molly's telling Julie, oh, if we're gonna get your daddy back, we'll have to do some serious packaging. And she looks over at Julie, who's, I think, chomping on an airbrush. Ew. <laughs> like, you with me, kid? And Julie's like, yeah, let's dress up for daddy. Oh no, she claps when <laughs> Molly's like, hey, you with me, kid? And she's on the bed and she's like clapping. Like, yeah, let's dress up for daddy. We, yeah, this is basically a montage of Molly trying on different outfits. What the fuck is she wearing in her hair? It looks like uh, an antler or something. Some satin-covered antler. Even she's like, ugh, this is stupid. <laughs> we get Roseanne Barr's laugh. Like, <laughs> we see a close-up of Molly putting some eyeshadow on. What's it called? I Love Being a Girl. Is that the song? We see her spritzing her chest with some perfume. We see baby Julie doing the same thing. Like, this is really weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> We see Molly putting some blush on. Oh, and this is where we see baby Julie chomping on the the brush that you used to apply brush. Like, ugh, get that out of her mouth. We see Molly doing a hair flip, trying to figure out what to do with her hair. Should she put it in a ponytail? Should she put it up? Should she have it down? 
Basically, it's like a makeover montage, only without the make. She's just trying to figure out what to wear to impress her husband and to get him back. Oh yeah, she's trying different outfits in the mirror. One is a leopard print. The line, I talk on the telephone for hours, is Julie playing with a toy phone, (laughs) putting the phone up to her ear. What the hell is she doing? Is she, like, trying to wipe the perfume off her chest? I don't get it. She's, like, blotting it, like, trying to make it smell like really putting it in i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't who who puts perfume on their chest she's also putting on pantyhose that have a major run in them and she's putting on a dress that dress looks like something she wore for albert back in the first movie it's like black with like itty bitty microscopic white polka dots now she's trying to figure out what to do with her hair. Should it be down? Should it be up? She's got some weird ass green scrunchie trying to keep it in place like a like almost like a down side pony in a way. What the hell? These look like gift bows that you would put on a gift after you wrap it. Enough with the hair adornment. Just leave the hair. Ugh. Molly or Molly. (laughs) Julie's chewing on another um blush brush. And apparently Molly let Julie eat lipstick because it's all over her face. (laughs) We see Julie with her little leg with her uh, little baby fancy black shoe. And then a little white shoe for Julie. Like, uh, it's, it's, mm, it's a makeover montage. Eh. Between mother and, with mother and daughter. Oh, she's using like a lip pencil to apply lipstick or apply something. It, clearly you guys are listening to this like you don't wear makeup and he's like no I don't wear makeup I, I really don't I don't know I mean lipstick I get, what's it, lip liner is that a thing that lip liner applier I don't know Julie is flat out chewing on that lipstick ugh okay Molly had to have been having fun with Julie cause she's got this long dangly fake pearl necklace she's got Her face probably smushed with lipstick or rouge on her cheeks. And she's got a pebbles flintstone with the hair kind of up in the middle. She's wearing a black and with white puff sleeves and a skirt with black polka dots on it. She's wearing a bunch of fake pearl necklaces that are like all the way down past her diaper. And it's just, it's, I get... mm. Oh, and she's got, like, tights on with the white buckled shoes, white tights with little flowers on it. What in the what? Now she's wearing a white dress that has pink hearts or pink polka dots. And she's got, like, yarn bows, like, hanging from, I guess, Molly wanted to do, like, a little pigtail dealy going on with Julie. I don't know. Okay, I gotta ask this. In the beginning of the movie, Rona had, it seemed like hair that just went, like, basically to her shoulders. It was kind of curly and poofed out. Now, I mean, a year has passed, and she probably just grew her hair out. So James was like, oh, well, you look good. And he gives her a kiss. Rona, not Molly. And he's like, all right, buddy, I'll see you later. And Rona's like, no, 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 you can't go. He's like, what? Why can't I go? And she's like, Molly wants to talk to you. And he's like, for what? And she's like, come on, just go talk to her, okay? Be nice. God, now he can't even stand to be anywhere near his wife? What the hell? 
You guys need to work this out. All right. Looks like Molly went with a leopard print, which does look nice. So she heard him, you know, open the door. She turned the TV on and probably what trying to make it look like she was doing nothing but watching TV. I guess he's looking for his sunglasses. So what, the ones he wears to work? The aviator ones? And Molly is all about it. Like, tr let's try and work out our problems. Oh, oh, no, no. She does not say our problems. She says his problems. Ugh, that is not the way to go about reconciling. You don't say, I'm just wondering about some of your problems because I don't have any. And James is like, what problems? My biggest problem is I got, uh, that I got a the sun squinting in my eyes all day because he doesn't have sunglasses. Which, I mean, if he's flying and stuff and he's up there in the clouds and that sun is, like, right in your damn eyeballs, I can imagine, that's not going to help. And so she asks him, like, hey, don't you even miss us? And he's like, oh, you're going up every artillery, just, you know, taking in what she's wearing. And then she's it's like, oh, do you have to be set to putts? And he's like, oh, shut up already. Pipe down. Damn, I didn't come here to be bitched at. Alright, so it looks like Mikey's sitting in the hallway just outside James and Molly's bedroom door. And he's like, hey, let's. this could be a good opportunity to try what Eddie said about, you know, the pee-pee and all that stuff. So, yeah, he starts walking towards the bathroom door. And he's like, oh, because he's like, at this point, ah, I gotta go. But he's like, oh, I gotta hold that back until I get to there. He must be talking about his blood the whole time, like, talking about his bladder, like, knowing he's got to go to the bathroom, but it's like, please just hold it, stay there until I can get to the bathroom. This kid looks more like he's got to take a dump than go pee. He's like, ooh, like, really, like, oof. This whole apartment is shades of tangerine, lime green, cotton candy pink, and lavender. I mean, it's very, very overly colorful. I don't think this scene at all would ever be in a movie of a toddler going to the bathroom. That is, no. But this is just like with Julie learning how to walk. Mikey learning to use the toilet. And he finally, he gets up on the throne and he goes. And then you just hear this, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you see Mikey going, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy. And they rush in. And they see him on the toilet. Like, oh my gosh, he's going to the bathroom all by himself. And not in his diaper. He's shouting, yeah. James, who's still fucking looking for his sunglasses, can't find them. And they're like, what? 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 They think, like, what's wrong with my kid? Hey, the bathroom door is wide open. They're like, oh my gosh, he's going to the bathroom! Yeah! He's rejoicing in this thing. They're no longer fighting. They're celebrating that their kid hit a milestone. Each, if each of their kids in this movie hit a milestone. Mikey tackled potty training, and Julie learned how to walk. Pull him off the toilet! He's like, but wait a minute, I'm not done! It's like he's really pissing all over you. Why are you pulling him off? Like, let him finish, for cripe's sake. Damn. Celebrate after he's finished. So, here we get a conga line of pee-pee in the potty. And... <laughs> Molly's like, Rona Stewart, Mikey went pee-pee in the potty. It's like, oh my gosh. I love how James is holding Mikey like pee-pee in the potty. And Molly's hanging on. It's literally a conga line. Molly's hanging on to James. Rona's holding on to <laughs> Molly's waist. And Stewart's holding on to Rona's. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Of course, Molly goes over to Julie. Like, oh, isn't it great, sweetie? Your brother went pee-pee. And Julie's like, big deal, I made a duty. Like, she just shit herself. 
You gonna throw me, do a conga line for me too? So Molly is so ex exuberated. She's so excited. Like, oh my gosh, what a good boy. I haven't felt this good since the day he was born. James was like, oh, it's better than money. It's better than airplanes. It's better than sex. And of course, uh, Molly's like, oh, I wouldn't know. I haven't had it in a while. But no, Molly's the one that's like, oh, it's better than sex. He's like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> and again, they're in an impasse. Like, oh boy. So she asks him if he's hungry. He's like, oh, no, I gotta go. And she's like, I can fix you whatever you want. He's like, well, I got a nine o'clock flight, so I gotta go on. And she's like, it's pouring rain outside. You really have to leave. You're gonna fly in that? And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> he says it's better to be on the in the air pouring than it is on the highway in a car. Yeah, I mean, you don't hydroplane in a plane in the sky than like you would in on if you're on the road. I guess I don't know. So Molly is really all about facts here. She's like, who said the highway was safe? Every year there's 200,000 fatalities related to the rain and blah, 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 blah. So James is pretty much ready to be out of there. Like, all right. He says goodbye to Mikey and he's gone. So <laughs> Stuart's making chicken. He says, hey, Rona, you want some chicken? She's like, I don't know. How does it turn out? I guess she's heading to the store asking him, like, hey, do you need paprika, vegetables? He's got, like, a piece of chicken. He's like, and she ew, gross. Stuart says, hey, just get me whatever you want. Uh, get whatever you want. And he turns to Molly, like, hey, Molly, you, do you want some chicken? And she's really distracted about what's going on, you know, with James, and it's raining, and he's got a flight, and uh, she's probably imagining the worst, and she's like, oh, no, honey, I don't eat meat. She's your sister, and you don't know that she's, I, I had no idea she was a vegetarian. Holy sh- wow, okay, cool. I don't think that was even mentioned in the first movie. So we hear over the radio something about damage in five states and forecast calls for increased winds. And she's like freaking out imagining the worst. Not the radio, the, the news is on apparently. We're hearing the thunder. So she says, I have to call Jimmy. This is crazy. But of course, she can't get a hold of him because I guess he's already out on the runway. This guy that's talking on the phone with her is a fucking dick. She says, can I please speak to my husband? And the guy's like, well, he's on the field. And she's like, oh, he is? And she asks, you know, has he taxied out yet? And the guy's like, well, not yet. She says, hey, can you have somebody get him? It's an emergency. The guy's like, no. I'm like, what a piece of shit. What if it was an emergency? She says, hey, do you think he, she has, do you think he would reach him on his phone? And the guy's like, no. Oh, what a dick. This person can fuck, fuck off. Because she's like, oh, the terminal, uh, what, uh, gate is he at or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. You'll have to come in and ask. Like, Punch that guy in the dick when you get there, I swear. She's grabbing her phone. Uh, grabbing her phone. She's grabbing her coat out of the closet. And she's pretty much like, fuck it. I'm going to go down there if I got to stop him from getting on that flight. Says, okay, feed the kids their dinner, all right? But do not give them any more diet, any Diet Coke like you did last time. Because, you know, Diet Coke has caffeine in it. And I'm sure she wants the kids in bed at whatever the bedtime is, and not having to stay up all night because they're bouncing off the fucking walls due to Diet Coke. So we see Molly getting out of the cab. It's rainy. She's going to James's, you know, airport business, you know, the building and everything, and trying to figure out where's James. Let me talk to Freddie, the guy who, you know, James's boss, I guess. But the song that plays is she gets out of the... We see the cab and then she gets out of the the, the taxi cab. I'm like, I want to know what that song is. It's really pretty. 
Alright, I found it yeah, I found the song! Okay, it's called Wherever Would I Be and it's by Cheap Trick. Because I found it on YouTube and I played it like, okay, that is the song. Oh, this is a pretty song. Oh, she goes in and she asks, where's Jimmy? And then they're like, oh, he's on the runway or something. So it's a company he works for, Airborne Express, because that's the name on the door that she's coming out of. Hey, there's a Texaco station right there. That's probably what they use to fuel up the, the tanks or the whatever on, on the plane. I don't know Jack Diddley about how that works. This is so romantic. She's running in the rain to her husband because she doesn't want him to go out and fly. How the hell she got on that plane without... Because it's a, it's a company plane. It's just used to, like, employees to shovel them from here to there. It's getting ready to close up the hatch and everything. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Hold it. Wait a second. So he's given the coordinates into his uh, headphone mic thing. And he turns around and like, Molly, what the hell are you doing here? So she says, oh, I told him there was a family emergency. He's like, Molly, you shouldn't be here. And he, she's like, no, it's too dangerous to fly tonight. She says, you're the one who shouldn't be here. It's too dangerous to fly tonight. And she, he, he tells her, like, no, Molly, seriously. We fly around this weather. It's not a big deal. We do this all the time. And she tells Jimmy, like, no, James, like, you can't fly around at this time. It's like wall-to-wall storms. Don't you listen to the news? He's like, see, whenever you listen to the news, you always get kind of crazy. Because he says, the news always upsets you. And she well, you know what? Forget the news. Basically, I got a gut feeling, like, my gut is telling me you should not be up there. You should not be up there in this plane. So, he says, we don't need your gut feeling. I got uh, instruments here on the plane that tell me where I can go and where I can't, and I've got my clearance, so please just go. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving. Ugh. I'm just, ugh. She just, she loves her man so much, I just wish that he would get over his shit and just, come on now, be a family, your kids need you. She tells him, I'm not leaving this plane without you. You think, Molly, get out! And she says, no, I'm not going to. So it looks like he's uh, been told, due to adverse weather, we're canceling all flights until further notice. And <laughs> James is like, you happy now? You got what you wanted. It's like, what the hell? Why is he being a dick? He's just so stubborn. But then again, she's stubborn too. They're a great match. Jeez! He's like, he... You know, the guy says, well, you know, uh, we're canceling the flight. Are you good with that? He's like, yep, yep, that's fine. You can go ahead and cancel. It's like, well, they're going to do it anyway. He's like, well, I guess your gut feeling was right. Does that make you happy? I love Molly's confession here. She's like, Jimmy, I love you. I don't care anymore if I'm right or wrong. He's like, <laughs> yeah, right. She's like, yeah, well, I kind of wanted to be right. Like, yeah. And she says, but I do love you. He says, I love you too. Oh, this is so sweet. They're making up. All right, so now we get back to the apartment and we see Mikey with a newspaper, like, army hat. And he's got a squirt gun. And we got old Stuart here with some long type of, uh, like, cardboard tube and he's got a bunch of nerf balls and <laughs> Mikey's like spraying him with a squirt gun. <laughs> I love Julie here. She's like, oh thank god they left me with a responsible adult. Not. 
So we go to, I'm guessing it might be Molly and James's bedroom. We got a crook here who's right outside. I guess they got like a fire escape. They must. But uh, this guy knows what he's doing because he's got something that he sticks to the window and then he cuts a circular thing around it to be able to get the window open. Like just enough to get his hand in and then unlatch unlock that window to get in there. So now we go back out to the kitchen where we got Mikey charging into Stuart, knocking him down, squirting him in the face and in the nose with his squirt gun. <laughs> so this whole thing, this whole fun war thing between him and Mikey, they're having playing a game. He's got chicken cooking on the stove. I hope he's got it on low heat because that is so irresponsible. But we're going to see just how irresponsible Stuart is. This is this is just the start of it. Like that chicken burning and him him playing war with Mikey. No, 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 no. It's going to get worse. This crook looks like a poor man's 90s dark-haired side profile Richard Gere. Because <laughs> this guy... Must know, I must hear people in that apartment because when he opens that drawer to the, I guess, a dresser or something, he's getting looking for jewelry. He knocks over a framed photo that's on the top of the dresser and the glass breaks. And he's looking like, Oh, I bet someone heard that. And I bet Stuart probably is like, What the hell was that? And yeah, we cut to Stuart and he's like, Okay, well. There we go. He's got that unloaded gun. Hey, Stuart picks up the unloaded gun. He's gonna go investigate. Like, oh, Mikey, go watch Julie for me. And Mikey's like, what, is she gonna do something besides spit up? <laughs> no? Okay. So Stuart goes to the bedroom door, which is open a crack enough to see there's a shadow in there, and Stuart takes his unloaded gun, and he goes right into that room. Oh my goodness. So he goes, and he's like, freeze! The guy puts his hands up, and Stuart's like, put the bag down. I would like, just get the fuck out of here. Forget, if he takes the bag, he takes the bag, whatever. That stuff can be replaced, unless it's, you know, uh, family heirlooms that are priceless, and you can't replace them, but the guy... <laughs> Stuart gets the make on, or the guy ends up punching Stuart and goes out the window, and Stuart follows him out onto the fire escape. Which you're leaving two young children unattended, and mind you, that chicken or whatever the hell he's cooking on that stove is still on the stove. So damn irresponsible. I would not want him around my kids after this. Yeah, um, Stuart's gonna go all Casey Jones on this guy's ass, minus the hockey stick. What, what the hell did Casey Jones use? I can't remember. Something. Hockey I thought it was a hockey stick. See, the normal thing to do, what if the, the guy went out the window, then shut the fucking window and go back to the kids. You don't go out onto the fire. Mind you, it's raining. It's raining cats and dogs outside. He's following the guy. It's like, you got two kids upstairs left unattended with food cooking on the stove. Oh, that cat knows to get the hell out of there. Because <laughs> now we're on ground level and the thief is running and Stuart is running after him. The cat's like, I don't want to be a part of this. So the guy manages to jump over a fence that's in front of a dumpster and Stuart launches himself, ends up falling into the dumpster. That's great. And he, oh my, you gotta be joking. He left a towel, like a kitchen towel or something, on a fucking burner that is now on fire. 
and it falls off and it falls onto onto the floor on some newspaper which was probably used to make Mikey's hat which is now also uh, all this newspaper that's on the floor is on fire. So James and Molly are in the cat in a cab. They're making up like, oh, wait till we tell the kids are gonna be so excited. And of course James is like, well, who's taking care of them? And Molly says Stuart. And James breaks away like, Stuart, are you serious? Where the hell did Rona go? She went to the damn store. She's not back yet. Oh shit. Oh, she's like, don't worry, everything's all right. Is it though? Is it? No, their apartment is in flames. As we cut back to the apartment and the floor is just bursting into flames with all that newspaper that's on the floor. Newspaper for recycling. Great. Because that box is now on fire. And Mikey's like, holy cow. Because he's just standing there looking. He's probably never seen fire in his life. And little Julie is in her inflatable ring, like mobile, whatever the heck you call that. I don't know. So Mikey runs up, you know, he's telling himself, stay calm, I'll get Uncle Stuart. And he's like, oh, Stuart, ah, oh, shit, I don't know where the fuck he went. So Mikey is the hero of this last half. He protects his baby sister, which is awesome. Yeah, Uncle Stuart is still chasing that frickin' thief. Oh, I don't even think, did the guy even go run off with the, the jewels or whatever the hell he found? No, he didn't, because he left it there and he... Booked it. This is so stupid. If those were my kids and Stuart was watching my kid or not watching them as we see, I would be breaking every bone in his body. I would be kicking his ass. And he would not be allowed my, around my kids ever again. This is why we don't see him or Rona in the sequel. They are forbidden. Stuart especially is forbidden to have anything to do with the children. Because Molly, you can't just ignore Stuart. That's just Stuart. He's, uh... Down on his luck. Don't get mad at him. He's my baby brother. Like, uh, you can't eat. Uh. Oh, yeah, he's shouting in the rain. Hey, somebody stop with that guy. No one else is out on the street. Everyone else is has enough sense to stay indoors since it's raining. No one wants to go out in the rain unless they're forced to. So the thief bluntly just jumps into traffic and almost gets hit by a car. And then he lands on the hood of the taxi. And then Stuart is punching the guy out. And it's like, the hell? Oh, the guy lands on the ground and Stuart starts pumping. Well, he haven't gotten to the pummeling part. And Julie's like, hey, where's mommy? And Mikey takes control. Of it. This two-year-old takes control. Of it. They, they need to give this boy a medal. He's like, Julie, I don't know where Stuart is, but we gotta get out of here. And he's like, this is way too much hot stuff. And of course, Julie's like, Mikey, this stuff is scary. He's like, it's okay. I don't know where that bonehead Uncle Stewart is. And she's putting her hands up like, no, 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 no. Keep your hands inside that inflatable thing because you don't want to be touching that. Like, it's hot. It's like, don't touch it. Holy cow. Okay, stay calm. Stay calm. Just get Uncle Stewart. Uncle Stewart. Uncle Stewart. Uncle Stewart. Oh, great. Where's mommy? Come on, Julie. I don't know where Uncle Stewart is, but we gotta get out of here. This is way too much hot stuff. Mikey, this stuff is scary. It's okay, Julie. I'm afraid. I'll take care of you. I don't know where that bonehead Uncle Stewart is. Now just keep your hands in, Julie. Don't touch Mikey, anything. It's don't touch hot. anything. Take the stairs. Okay, here we go. I think we're safe. Oh. Whoa, that was close. How did you get down here? We just walked. Technically, I was pushed. Honey, get him out and call the fire department. Okay, come on, baby. 
Come on, Mikey. Oh, we got both Stuart and this jewel thief, like, punching each other out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, they don't hit the uh, taxi that James and Molly are in. They... They come up on them. Okay, and they jump out of the car. Oh, James doesn't even know who it is. He's jumping out of that cab and he is like, hey! Punches the jewel thief out. He doesn't know who this guy is. Like, hey, get off of him. And of course, Stuart's like, what'd you do that for? I had him with. Like, uh, sure you did. And James is like, what do you want me to do? Let him kill you? And of course, Molly's like, Stuart, where are the kids? It's like, oh, the kids. That's right. Duh. And they look up and there are flames in the window. Like, holy shit. Of course, they go into the lobby to uh, try to get the, to the elevators. And it's like, okay, we'll take the stairs. Of course, they turn to take the stairs and the elevator doors open and look who's coming down. Mikey learned how to do it. Well, he's probably seen his parents do it a hundred times, you know, getting in the elevator and apparently he knew which floor to hit. And he's pushing, out comes Mikey and Julie. He's pushing her in that inflatable ring thing. Like, okay, here we go. I think we're safe. And we just hear Julie laughing. <laughs> and James is like, how did you get down here? And Mikey's like, we just walked. And Julie's like, technically, I was pushed. <laughs> so James tells Molly, get the kids out and call the fire department. Because James ends up going up to the apartment and using the fire extinguisher. And he puts it on, he's like, yes! Oh, okay, so yeah, they met. the door's wide open. The fire has is just containing to the apartment. It hasn't spread to the hallway or anything, so. And James gets up there and he's like, whoa! It's like, it's a lot more than what he thought. It looks like it's just being mainly contained to the kitchen. Which probably as well, it hasn't spread to the other rooms. James runs and gets a fire extinguisher and he just puts the flames out and he is just like, Yes! You do hear the fire truck in the background. You do hear them approaching. So we're outside. We see the fire department. We hear Stuart recounting the tale of how he chased the jewel thief out under the fire escape and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, so you left the two children unattended and a fire happened. Yeah. Oh, you see they're arresting the jewel thief. That's great. And <laughs> I love how Rowan is finally there. She, oh, he is amazing, isn't he? And she says, Stuart, let's get married. He's like, yeah. Like, oh, God. No, those two don't need to be getting married and procreating. I'm sorry. But they're just uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum here. So the firefighter does, in fact, say, you guys are very lucky the fire didn't spread beyond the kitchen. And James is like, well, good thing I got that fire extinguisher. And Molly's like, well, no, I was the one who got the fire extinguisher. I think it's the fact that good thing he got it in put the fire out, not that he went out and bought the fire extinguisher, because Molly is safety 101 here, so. You're not taking credit for buying that fire extinguisher, I am. And she's like, no, I bought the fire extinguisher, and then James is like, well, who left the kids with Stuart? And she's like, oh. And he's like, oh, that was a pretty bonehead idea, huh? And she's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> and he tells her good answer and they kiss. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, Molly again with her worries. Like, I'm worried about you barbecuing all the time. It's not good for the environment. And her mother's like, oh, relax already. Okay, it's a, uh, her, Rosie says it's a brand new outdoor electric, electric stove. So you're not using, like, coals or what are the colors things the, the, the things the charcoal oh yeah she's saying oh there are so many chemical molly is like ugh 
her mother's like, they don't do anything bad. And <laughs> so you've become such a nudge, Molly. Was she like this? I can't remember in the first movie. It's like she was so, like, freaked out about everything. Oh, it seems like Rosie's like, oh, tune her out, tune her out, James. <laughs> Rosie asks Rona, like, how do you like, okay, so Rona and Stuart moved it. You know that ain't gonna last, come on. How awkward is that gonna be if she breaks up with Stuart and then Molly's like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my, my brother? Uh, you guys are so perfect, you're both dumb. <laughs> so, it seems like Julie and Molly kind of call a truce, because she's like, uh... You got me out of the hot stuff, like the fire. Why did you do that? I don't get that. And he explains to her, you know, hot stuff can be very bad for you. Okay, this is like a teachable moment for children everywhere. As Mikey's like, it's especially not good for kids at all. And she says, but I thought you hated me. You're always mean to me and stuff. And Mikey's like, well, yeah, I do hate you a lot of the time. And he says, you drive me crazy. You bug me. You poke me in the eye. And he says, but you're my sister and it's my job to love you. We got to stick together. Mikey says, the way I see it, there's us and there's them. And <laughs> we cut to the family sitting around the table outside passing corn and whatnot. And... Julie says, yeah, the big ones don't make any sense. Mikey's like, yeah, that's for your sure. That's why we got to stick together. And Mikey's like, yeah, you and me. And she looks at him like, you and me? He says, yeah, that's right. We're the kids. <laughs> this is adorable. They go over to this fountain of sorts. And I just love how it ends with Mikey and Julie holding hands and it's just like oh little big brother little sister mikey okay you got me out of the hot stuff i don't get it well now listen you know hot stuff can be very bad for you it's especially not good for kids at all but i thought you hated me i mean you're always mean to me and stuff yeah well i do hate you a lot of the time and you drive me crazy you you bug me you poke me in the eye but you're my sister, and it's my job to love you. We gotta stick together. The way I see it, there's us, and there's them. Yeah, big ones don't make any sense. You never know what big ones are gonna do. Well, what does that mean? That's for sure. That's why we have to stick together. Yeah. You and me. You and me? That's right. You and me. We're the kids. Yeah. All right, and that was the movie. I hope you all really enjoyed it. I had a fun time covering Look Who's Talking To. Um, everything before James and Mikey come in and meet Julie, baby Julie, for the first time. That actually was all recorded probably in, gosh, maybe May, June, before I moved down here to Texas. So there's definitely going to be a, a, a change in, I don't know maybe you could tell a difference or not I don't know but uh, like I said I really enjoyed it and I really wanted to do this so that way in December I can do look who's talking and have completed the look who's or do look who's talking now and I can have completed the trilogy so that's it enjoy the movie review and have a have a good Thanksgiving I know it's different now because it's 2020 but hopefully this time next year people will be able to really be with their families around the holidays. So, bye-bye, everybody.